You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 492. You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Lake Burton, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 7th of October, 2021. Today's episode, all eight people on board a plane die when it crashes into a Milan office building. An American Airlines passenger opens his plane's emergency exit and walks on the wing near the gate in Miami. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tale. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 492 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He is an award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 10-10 wins in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot of a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, GA. And joining me today from her lakeside studio in South Dr. Skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper, Dr. Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff. It is good to see you. Really excited to be doing a show in the middle of the day. It's different. Yeah. You know, variety is the spice of life. I think we even said that on the last show. Did we? Yeah. But in a different context. Got it. Also joining us from his studio, In Hartford, professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter, pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways, it's Captain Nick. Yeah, oh, hi there, you two, and hi, everyone listening. And for the middle of the day, it's awfully dark outside. Well, hmm. time is funny where you live. <laughs> funny time <laughs> yeah well it's not very sunny there like it is here although it's not really sunny where i am uh, what's what's it like over there in uh your area not sunny not sunny yeah not sunny no. a little rainy not raining no there's actually been no rain rain oh. was promised but the rain keeps splitting the area here it goes north and south and oh. east it just doesn't seem to make its way right here but it's cloudy and overcast and kind of cool and breezy it's been raining like crazy up here at the uh, yeah. at the cabin, and um, that uh, st- uh, little creek behind the uh, cabin here has been actually kind of noisy with a lot of water running through it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about some aviation stuff, like maybe news. Stand by for news. 
Okay, this is the uh, preliminary report from the NTSB uh, regarding the uh, Cessna jet, the uh, Cessna 560XL, uh, November 560 Alfa Romeo, uh, destroyed uh, when it was involved in an accident near Farmington, Connecticut. Uh, Two passengers and two uh, pilots were fatally injured, just to remind you. and in the preliminary report, uh, talked about, well, this is actually something we already knew. Uh, two witnesses observed the takeoff roll with one reporting the airplane was going slower than they had seen during previous takeoffs. When the airplane was about two thirds of the way down the runway, one witness noted a puff of blue colored smoke from the backside of the airplane. Well, it's kind of embarrassing. The other witness stated <laughs> that the nose landing gear was still on the ground as the airplane passed a taxiway intersection near the midpoint of the runway. And he said to a friend with him that something was wrong. Third witness, who was beyond the departure end of the runway, noted the airplane departed the runway in a level attitude. After clearing the runway, the airplane's nose pitched up, but the airplane was not climbing. The airplane then impacted a power line pole, which caused a small explosion near the right engine, followed by a shower of softball-sized sparks. After hitting the pole, the noise of the engine went from normal sounding to much more grinding uh, to a much more grinding metallic sound. The airplane then began to oscillate about its pitch and roll axis before the witness lost sight of it behind trees. Post-accident investigation or examination of the 3,665-foot-long runway revealed tire skid marks from the right main landing gear tire that were right of the runway center line, beginning about 2,360 feet from the approach end of the runway. The mark from the right tire continued, while a mark from the left main landing gear tire was noted left of runway center line, beginning about 2,480 feet from the approach end. The marks from both main landing gear tires continued and veered slightly to the right, but were continuous from where first observed to the end of the runway and onto a short width of grass immediately adjacent to the departure end of the runway. The grassy Terrain beyond the departure end of the runway then sloped steeply t- down toward a road. Okay, we again talked about all this stuff in the initial investigation, but uh, uh, this might be some new uh, information in the preliminary report. Uh, uh, let's see, the parking brake handle in the cockpit and the respective valve that it controlled were both found in the brake set position. Hmm. Um, and I thought this is also interesting. Um, the, uh, they got the uh, flight data recorder, the FDR, uh, both thrust levers were set at 66 degrees and both engines remained at 91% N1 throughout the takeoff roll. So, um, I, the reason why I think that's odd is that if I felt that something was not quite right and I was committed to continuing the takeoff, I would have had those levers jammed up through the firewall as far as they would go. 110%. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not the first time we've seen this happen in an incident. Do you remember the uh, the uh, Florida-based uh, 737 mm-hmm. out of um, oh, Jacksonville, I Washington? Think. Oh, 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 uh, oh, no, oh you're the one that about, crashed yeah. in the Potomac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Th- those guys flew off the end of the runway uh, at low speed with the stall warning going, and they never increased power. Yeah. Crazy. They just left the power set. They they could they could have got away with that for quite a long time uh, if they just pushed the throttles up, but right. they never thought to. This this guy did the same. Yeah. So you know, interesting. You take your hand off them at V one, and uh, a lot of people forget that you can you can put, put your, your hand, hand back. back you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You do yeah. what you have to do if uh, something's not going right. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I was silly, isn't it? My first takeoff out of Cape Town, uh, there's a hump in the runway. And, uh, you know, we had a bit of a rush departure, but uh, lined up at the end of the runway. We start roaring down the runway, and I'm looking at the runway left, and I'm thinking, good Lord, this is short. <laughs> so <laughs> I just said, go in, Toga. <laughs> yeah. selected full power. And then, of course, we reached the hump, and uh, the rest of the runway was revealed, and I felt embarrassed. <laughs> <sighs> but but you were delighted at the same time, though, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly right. Because I was thinking, what on earth have I done wrong? Have I lined up the wrong runway? But, you know, we get, we're not going to get airborne by the end of that hump. Or anyway. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, you've, got, you've got it under your hand. It's your control, so you can do what you like with it. So I'm, I'm kind of sad. Uh, well, sad, regardless that uh, Rick wasn't able to join us today. But you know, his he always emphasizes that one of his things when he's doing a takeoff rolls, he starts the stopwatch, and yes. you know, it's kind of a, a cross check for the normal um, acceleration during the takeoff roll. And perhaps if if this crew pilot crew had done the same thing, maybe they would have noticed that it's not accelerating as quickly as normal. Although I have a feeling they probably noticed something wasn't quite right and the acceleration wasn't normal but um as i said they 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 made the decision to continue the takeoff but the uh the time that the airplane took to accelerate from 20 to 100 knots during the accident flight was 17 seconds the previous two takeoffs were 11.5 and 12 seconds respectively so this was an additional five or a little bit more than five seconds uh acceleration wise going from 20 to 100 yeah so, um, hmm. sadly, we can't ask them what was going through their mind no, at we the can't. time, can we? Nope, unfortunately. Uh, let's see. Uh, I Hall Boxes says it's incredible how good training can lead to a pattern of habits, which doesn't help in these ad hoc situations. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, and and I think yeah, I mean, so certainly, you know, we've talked about this before. When you're in the simulator and you're expecting things to go wrong, that's when you're thinking about all of that. Mm-hmm. But when it's just another day, you're not thinking that something's going to go wrong. And if you don't have those scenarios in your mind about, oh, what might I do if something isn't normal? Um, it's very easy just to continue with the normal training, which is not necessarily what you want to do. Right. And, you know, it's hard for us to put ourselves into this exact situation, obviously, and uh, know exactly how we are going to react. Um, but I, um, I was going to say something, and I'm sure this is the way for m- most um, modern Part 121 scheduled air carrier airliners out there. I have a takeoff warning horn or takeoff warning system, uh, and one of the items on that takeoff warning configuration system is the parking brake set. So if you advance mm. the throttles uh, and the parking brake's on, it'll it'll immediately sound the takeoff configura- configuration is it, is warning. It not- very obvious though so for the aircraft that i fly it's very hard to overcome the parking brake being I would, set you know i've never tried it i don't know i i would think that and would, you, would I, be obvious. you you notice immediately if mm-hmm. you've not released the parking brake um the aircraft really just doesn't want to go anywhere yeah so uh the other question i have is who comes to the end of the runway and puts the parking brake on I don't I know. Mean, well, that's why I'm wondering. I, I never put the they, parking. Did they manage to taxi all the way over there with it on? Because that's, they may have. Oh, really? What, wow. Well, I don't know because uh, I, I don't know. But yeah. yeah, it's just that uh, I'd, I'd rather stand with my feet on the brakes because yes. I, I, I've done it in the simulator. 
you know, where the guy repositions you and you, he takes some time so you put mm-hmm. the parking brake on. And you can bet your bottom dolly you'll forget to take it off again when it comes. And he says, yep. okay, you can go now. You know, so Where are I'm, we going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, except we're not because the parking brake's still on. But yeah, you notice it, right? right? And then yeah. you well, take the parking brake off. You, Luckily, yeah. in the Airbus, there's a big warning that comes mm-hmm. up going, mm-hmm. oi, idiot. <laughs> yeah. There is not in the aircraft that I fly, but I, I promise you, you will know if you left the parking brake on <laughs> mm-hmm. as soon as you try well, to move. You go, your last hmm, week's plane oh, okay, tail, yeah. I, I mentioned the Cessna that got airborne out of Ireland on wet grass. Mm. He actually managed to get airborne, although he wrecked his undercarriage. Uh, there's another yeah. one that took off with this, we think, don't know for sure, yeah. with this parking brake I don't on. want to wreck my undercarriage. I mean, because yeah. we said it while we're, you know, having jumpers load on the aircraft because you don't want to be rolling while they're trying to get on the, the plane. Um, but, yeah. But it's very obvious if you then forget to – and that never happens. We always no. take the parking brake off. Yeah. But you're right, uh, Steph. Uh, it seems like it would have been an obvious thing, at least in my experience I'm just, I'm surprised the I don't know about this. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about this particular type of aircraft and what that feels. But, yeah. Now, in this case, they said that the uh, this airplane doesn't have the uh, – it doesn't monitor the parking brake valve position uh, on the uh, flight mm. data recorder and doesn't, it's not part of their takeoff configuration warning system. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe they'll change that in the future. Perhaps. I don't know. Perhaps. Anyway. On to the looks... next, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. While you do that, I'm sorry. I have to make a quick phone call back to a work colleague. I'll be yes. right back. He'll take like two seconds, right. but carry on. And I will be joined back. In we will carry tomorrow. on. Good luck. Bye. We're all counting on you. All ah. right. The second item. Passenger, and this never happens, passenger opens emergency exit door and walks along plane wing, the independent. This is from, and I think we have an overlay, Miss Liz, and it's just a, uh, this is a, a still taken from a video, but I was hoping to have a video of the actual uh, passenger uh, on the wing and jumping off the wing, but I could not find anything. That had that so this is just a, a video of the uh, flight attendant um out on the uh on the wing we have that liz oh liz is on the phone too <laughs> maybe <laughs> oh maybe liz and uh, steph are talking to each other on the phone yes, that's true. okay so let me uh go over here uh, do i have to do everything myself gosh darn it apparently here we go do you want me let to me... do it for you uh sorry, yeah I'm if you sorry, can find it here phone. we go here oh sorry there we go the there's the overlay <laughs> <laughs> Stop! I had to take a phone call. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, so uh, there you go. There's the uh, flight attendant on the wing of a 737. And now let me uh, read flight, the story. Flight attendant? I thought it was a passenger. Well, see, that the flight attendant went out there looking for the passenger. And, <laughs> oh, okay. But there is no, as I said, uh, when I was setting this up, there uh, is no video of the actual passenger on the wing of this 737. Oh, okay. Fair um, enough. But unless maybe there is, I just wasn't able to find it. Anyway. That's an odd-looking odd uniform for a flight attendant. It looks like they're wearing knickerbockers. It does. Something. Maybe it's just the – I think that might be because of the uh, letters of the American Airlines uh, behind her, and it's making it look like uh, it, her silhouette has um, those interesting-looking – you know what I'm saying? I think <laughs> yeah. I think that the, I don't know. I, that's I just, just an illusion. Perhaps their uniform was like old-fashioned baseball. Yeah, they have like something. pirate uniforms. Um, <laughs> anyway, a plane passenger has been detained after he opened the emergency exit door and walked along the wing as the aircraft was taxiing, taxiing the runway. Oh, 
taxiing the runway. Okay. Uh, Interesting verb. Um, American traveler Christian Segura, 33 years old, jumped from the wing to the ground, but was quickly apprehended by police. The incident occurred on Wednesday evening, just after the American Airlines flight from Cali, Colombia, had touched down at Miami International Airport. A video shows what appears to be a flight attendant standing on the wing, looking out to see where the passenger had gone. There we go. The airline confirmed the incident aboard flight 920 in a statement. We are aware of an incident involving a passenger on American Airlines flight 920 from Cali to Miami. The carrier said while customers were exiting the plane at the gate, a passenger opened the overwing emergency exit and jumped onto the ramp. The customer was immediately detained by law enforcement officials. All other customers deplaned normally. Anyway, so here I'm thinking to myself, well, anyway, according to the passenger, he said he wasn't feeling well and was transferred to the Jackson Memorial Hospital's emergency room to be treated for high blood pressure. It remains unclear why he decided to leave the jet via the emergency exit. Now, I'm thinking this is a flight that has just come in from Colombia, and I'm thinking that he, and, and why was law enforcement there like right on the spot? To the begin with, I think that he may have been looking out the window and went, "Uh oh, I see law enforcement officers on the ramp here at our gate, and uh, I think they might be here for me. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, get out of here." Exactly. <laughs> get that's, away. that's just my, my speculation on this, but I'm thinking that uh, he was going to be apprehended as he exited the uh, aircraft jetway in the terminal. Uh, I'm guessing. It, so. Anyway, interesting. Yes. Well, you have a point. It, it might well have been the right scenario, but uh, certainly confused the cabin crew. Yes, it did. I go, hey, wait, what are you doing? That's not how you get <laughs> off the airplane here. Uh, it's it's about a 10 foot drop from the uh, wing to the ground, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Dan, depending on the type. Yeah, it's not but, a uh, so it's not that close yeah. to the ground. No, if you jump down onto the engine, it's probably a little bit less, but. Uh, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's quite a reasonable fall. You can easily break an ankle doing that. Yep. For sure. Remember we, uh, that, that story of the guy that was out on the wing and he went all the way to the wing tip and the winglet and was climbing the winglet <laughs> and yes. fell down. And I'm thinking that, that probably didn't feel very good at all. I mean, no. that, yeah, that uh, could have killed him actually. Yeah. That concrete is not very forgiving. No, not at all. Anyway. That's enough of that one, I think. Um, The next item here, a Spirit uh, A320 uh, at Atlantic City, uh, New Jersey, on October 2nd, 2021, uh, they rejected the takeoff due to a bird strike, and and then they had an engine fire. Um, So when the airplane was accelerating from takeoff from Atlantic City's runway 31, the crew rejected the takeoff at low speed about 60 knots over the ground, advising they had a bird strike in the right-hand engine, a Pratt & Whitney 1127 Golf engine, and were stopping on the runway. The aircraft slowed safely and stopped on the runway about 550 meters or 1,800 feet down the runway. Tower queried whether the aircraft needed any assistance, and the crew replied, roll the trucks, please. Short while later, Tower advised there appeared to be a fire underneath the engine. The crew acknowledged and the fire bell was audible in the background of the transmission, and about a minute later advised they were evacuating the aircraft. Now, is this one that I was going to open? Yes. Okay, let me uh, double-click on this and share. 
this uh, news item with you all because it has some video in here that I want to play. So just hang on a second and bear with me as I do that. Okay. Share. Boom. Okay. Uh, there is the video, and let me uh, play this for you. Flight attendants are telling everybody to remain seated. Nice little fire going there uh, out the uh, back side of the engine on the right side. That always helps. Yelling. Yeah. Panic yell fire. Like no one can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's listening to please her. Remain seated. They're, on their way. Fine. They're not remaining seated. Some of them are. I think the person taking this video get is. Their luggage, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got to get the luggage. You're right, guys. Oh, yeah, you can hear everyone opening, like, the overhead. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, I think we're getting close to the spot here. Um, well, not quite yet, but we're going to hear from the cockpit crew. Maybe. Looks like you finally got the spoilers down, or some of them stowed. Wow. This is crazy. It never happened. This never happened ever for me. <laughs> not, it doesn't happen it's a lot. It's not happened to most people, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's but it is uh, slowing most down. of my life, and it's never happened to me either. Yeah, I've never happened. Oh, let's raise oh. the spoilers again. That'll be good for the evacuation. Okay, any anything from the pilots? Hello? I hear the fire trucks approaching. And anytime now. Evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. Then he goes on to explain that they the hit a button. Why? Yeah. yeah. Uh, why? So, again, <laughs> I've, I've not been in this situation, so I don't want to be critical here. I don't know what I'd say. Maybe I'd say something like that. But well, I don't, surely you've well, done it multiple times in, in the, the sim, sim, Jeff. Yeah, I have. And, and, and you do the PA. And don't, wouldn't you do the same thing if you? it was a real situation? Yeah, I would I think so. Would. I would think yes. so. Uh, I You'd just, hope so. Uh, so a couple different things here. And I, uh, so one was, I, I've already mentioned the, the spoilers, the big panels on the wing are still sticking up. Uh, I always brief if we're going to do an emergency, uh, you know, before we begin a trip, we do the big abnormal briefing and all the different things. And then if we need to modify that briefing on an individual flight, we'll do that. But the, the big briefing about uh, aborts, aborted takeoffs is that, as we are coming to a stop or we're stopped, I want the first officer to set the flaps to a certain position to, to allow for better uh, emergency egress if that was necessary. And the thing that I'm going to automatically do, hopefully, is stow those spoilers because the handle's on my side of the quadrant. Um, and uh, I don't know if that's something that you all do on the Airbus, Nick, or not. You don't need to. Once you uh, deselect uh, the reverses uh, and you get to a certain speed, they will stow themselves. Well, then why, I wonder why they didn't oh, wait a minute. do that on this in this uh, case, because they stayed up. And then they... Okay, now hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. 
Uh, it, it used to be our signal to do the after landing checklist, actually, was banging the spoiler yeah. lever in. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to think what would happen in an evacuation. Uh, I, you know, it's been too, it's too long for yeah. me to remember anymore. Someone right. needs to tell us. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm sure we have an Airbus person um, either in our live audience or if not, uh, they'll they'll chime in after the fact. But I would think that yep. that would be just an automatic reaction from the captain to stow those spoilers. Um, but again, it might be different. Uh, it's, it's, I don't fly this airplane. And the other thing is, as you mentioned, uh, Nick, is just like kind of bizarre, you know, explaining that. We had a bird strike and it caused an engine fire in the right-hand engine. And wh- why do we need to be t- saying that to people? We just need to yeah. say, so evacuate, I think this is actually evacuate. <laughs> perhaps a yeah. case of maybe he had already been talking to air traffic control and explaining that. And that yeah. was just in his head that he said it already a couple of times. And it just yeah. came out again while he was doing the PA to the passengers. Well, could be. I think that's I mean, probably. The last thing you want people to do now, you've just said evacuate. evacuate. You've got like two minutes to get everyone out. Yeah. Uh, the last thing you want them to do is to stand around listening to the rest of your PA and not initiating an evacuation. So just say evacuate. Yep. Um, right. And if, and if you your company has a policy on, you know, on which like, side, then yeah. obviously you add that. But you don't start describing what's the going reasons. on because you're just going to stop people in their tracks while they listen to you. And then they're right. going to talk about it. Like, oh, it was a bird. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're not yeah. Although, uh, paying attention to Playing it. some uh, video now, it doesn't seem like it stopped people in their tracks from doing, getting their bags <laughs> their from luggage. the overhead oh, bin right. Uh, right. and such. Uh, but, I, yeah, I would have said evacuate, evacuate, left side, you know, left side. Um, but, um, yeah, the side that doesn't have all the smoke and fire yep. on it. Yeah. The non-burning side. The, the non-burning non- side. <laughs> I'll have to remember that one. Yeah. Anyway, and then, of course, this, you know, uh, again, and, you know, not a big surprise. We see this time and time again. Uh, people, uh, we were telling you not to take your bags with you when you evacuate, but people just don't listen because they have yeah. important stuff they want to take with them, apparently. Yeah. I saw a, uh, this was a very obviously facetious tongue in cheek comment about this uh, particular incident on one of the groups I'm on on social mm-hmm. media from a, a flight attendant who said, I've always maintained that our command should just be, Leave all your ish and get the f off the plane. <laughs> there <laughs> yeah. you go. And Absolutely. say that three times. <laughs> She's like, I think that will make a bigger impression than. Yep, yeah. I think so. Yeah, there's the uh, a little, uh, and this is as large as I can get that picture, um, where uh, you know you see the little the, charcoal, yeah, yeah, a little hot spot burning. on the uh, burning part on the engine there, and uh, here's some uh, must have been hmm. some big birds. I bet they were seagulls. Oh, the other meme going around with that probably. Well, this was in Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah. Seagulls look at those. Look candidate. at those blades. I mean, they're yeah. they're bent. They're mangled. Did you see the uh, meme going around that it was actually Big Bird? It was oh, the yellow bird and the yellow no. airplane. Oh, Big Bird and yellow. Yeah, no, I did not <laughs> oh, see that. Because it was yellow. Because he's yellow and the plane yeah. was yellow. He was attracted. What's that, Liz? Because he's yellow and the plane was yellow. He was attracted to the plane. Oh, yeah. Liz says that uh, Big Bird was attracted to this big yellow Ex- that, exactly. airplane. Yeah. Okay. Hall Boxes says, just leave all your stuff and claim you had five Rolexes in your bag if it burns down. See? There you go. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. You know, what are we going to do, huh? What are People. we going to do? People. People. Yeah. Anyway, so there's that. Anything else to say? Probably not. Nah. All right. This, I thought, was an interesting one. A uh, This occurred uh, taking off from the uh, Milano-Lanate airport. Not sure if that's right or not, but uh, 
Milano, Italy, uh, a Pilatus PC-12-47E turboprop was destroyed in an accident. Uh, took off from runway 36 at the uh, Lenate Airport at 13.04 local time. It made a climbing right turn uh, after departure and stopped the climb at an a- uh, altitude of about 5,300 feet. Um, shortly thereafter, the aircraft entered a steep and fast descent until it impacted a building under construction. A large fire then erupted. Um, let's see the weather, the METARs there. Um, one shows about a 7,000 foot broken deck. And then, uh, the most, uh, the one that occurred right after the accident, uh, 5,000. So it looks to me as if the, the pilot, um, entered the clouds and that was coincident with the point at which the airplane, started falling from the sky. Now, I'm not saying that it was a loss of control, uh, although the initial reports, um, there were claims that the engine failed, and that's why uh, it crashed. But I'm I'm wondering now, based on... Yeah, but not, not the description of how it crashed. It entered a right. steep and fast descent. That doesn't make... Yeah, I'm thinking that um, maybe the pilot got disoriented and uh, lost control. Um Anyway, it turns out that uh, one it, the pilot um, is one of Romania's richest men, billionaire business executive Dan Petrescu. Uh, he was killed along with his wife, his son, several others when a plane he was piloting crashed Sunday. Um, 68 years old, he was a flight enthusiast whose wealth exceeded $3 billion, uh, Italian media reported, with an empire of buildings, hypermarkets, and shopping centers. He was en route from Milan's Lenate Airport to the island of Sardinia. Uh, navigating through clouds when his plane descended in what some witnesses described as a freefall. Now, is it possible that um, uh, it, that he was not instrument rated, or would you have to? Wouldn't you have to be instrument rated to be checked out on a Pilatus PC twelve? No. No. Okay. Well, I mean, depends on what type of flying you're doing with it. If it's just his airplane, yeah, it's a private airplane, just his airplane. Um, so, you know, I'm not. I don't. I'm not knowledgeable about. What requirements there are, but it's is, no. is it possible that in maybe, this country it's possible? Yeah, and I'm wondering over there if it's possible as well, and that maybe he was supposed to remain clear of the clouds and accidentally ended up flying into some and then lost control. I don't know. Uh, I, this, you know, I think if you've gone all the way to yeah, piloting a pilot, I mean, it would be unusual for sure, but mm-hmm. possible. Um, Certainly. I mean, it wasn't like he was short of money to pay for No, to get an instrument rating. (laughs) Right. Uh, And the other thing was that uh, he apparently requested a return to the airfield. Mm -hmm. So that would indicate to me that he's actually got a problem Problem. of some kind. Yeah. Now, that's that's according to the Wall Street Journal. Oh, no, no. It says here, never asked for a return to the airport. Well. Or... There's a bit of contradiction there. Yeah. So, so yeah, in the Wall Street Journal, it said uh, he never asked to return. And then they were asking him, why did you deviate to avoid turbulence? And he said, no. No. That was his only response. However, uh, one of our APG community members and um, um, uh, one of our coffee fund cadre members, Jenny Parkinson in Rome, said that on Italian TV news, they just spoke about last Sunday's Pilatus crash in Milan. They have yet to examine the black box, which has been recovered, but said there was a request from the pilot shortly after takeoff to the tower for vectors to return to the airport. So that's in contradiction to the news report from the Wall Street Journal. So who knows really what yeah. happened yeah. here? Uh, it crashed into an empty two-story empty two building, 
thankfully, not far from uh, a metro station. The building burst into flames with columns of smoke rising into the air. Italy's fire and rescue service later shared a video of the scorched building and several torched cars that had been parked nearby. Anyway, so I'm hoping that uh, when they examine the flight data recorder, and uh, I don't know if that probably doesn't have a cockpit voice recorder, but at least the flight data recorder will uh, indicate maybe what, or give some clues mm-hmm. as to what may have happened here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Eichelbox agrees with me. Oh, you only need you an only... instrument rated to fly under IFR. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's true. It's true here. You could certainly, as a private pilot, have your own, buy your own Pilatus and not have an instrument rating and fly it around on your own. Hmm. If you've got the money, yeah. why not? Yeah. All right. Well, again, that was just a speculation on my part. Um, it just seems coincidental. I, I, think it would be, I think it would be odd that he would not have gone yeah. so far as to get an instrument rating, but it's possible. Well, and even if you do have an instrument rating and you may and not, you're not be current, current and, yeah. um, or most of your instrument flying is under the Simulated. hood and not real IFR, you know, yeah, yeah, could get, uh, who knows what happened there. But um, it's just interesting to me because the you don't hear too often of issues with that very, very reliable engine, that PT-6, PT-6 yeah. uh, turboprop well, in, the, in the PC-12. But now we did, we have covered it. So this is where uh, that that uh, ferrying flight uh, in Texas um, uh, boutique, yes. um, mm-hmm. where the engine had some kind of an issue, and mm-hmm. he ended up, uh, you know, crash landing. But uh, I think that's the only one I've ever heard of. But there probably I'm more. sure there's more. I'm sure there's more. It's yeah. just yeah. But like you said, it's a very reliable engine, and that has always kind of caused me pause uh that an air an airplane like the pilatus pc-12 that some airlines use like boutique um carrying passengers um i just think that's odd to only have one power plant but um i guess you know well yeah they certified it so Mm -hmm. i guess it's pretty reliable but Dr. Dan has a question here. dr dan has a question uh you need ifr to file into class a here in the u.s so not having your ifr with a turboprop sounds very inefficient yeah unless you just want to fly around at like 17.5 yeah ah the weather in italy is beautiful a short flight anyway yeah (laughs) milan to sardinia i don't know is that is that a pretty quick little flight i don't know i assume everything in europe is very close together and takes no more than 30 minutes to probably well compared with australia yeah (laughs) yeah and I suppose America. I'm kidding, right. by the way. I've been to Europe enough to know. Yeah. Okay. Okay, one more comment. Yeah. All right, one more comment from my hall boxes. In Europe, uh, he would have been needed a type rating for a turboprop aircraft, though, and I believe for a type rating, you need a CPL. That's unlikely uh, that a CPL would be right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure all the, the regulations in EASA uh, land. I mean, so it could you, be a, Surely you can fly an aircraft like that on a private license. You don't need a commercial. You're not making money from your work. Well, but to get the type rating, what are the requirements there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And we have to take I-Hall Box's um, word for... No, but... <laughs> Just kidding, I-Hall Boxes. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> Mr. Boxes. Mr. Is, boxes. Uh, I'm sure very uh, astute. Mr. I-H Boxes. Mm. Yes. All right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, live audience people, for your input. And uh, now I'm sure you're going to give some input regarding this last item in our news. (laughs) And this happened Uh in uh, Winnie, Texas. 
Um, <laughs> thank you, Liz. Uh, if you're listening to the audio only podcast, you'll hear uh, <laughs> producer director exactly. Liz neighing. And apparently in Winnie, uh, Texas, there was a uh, annual rice festival. Uh, and the, uh, this airplane was, uh, a biplane, a, a, a steerman was part of the parade. It was, uh, used as a parade float. And, uh, as the parade and by the way, I believe they, uh, the, the gentleman who was the pilot didn't fly the airplane to the side of the parade, but decided because weather was approaching that he would uh, go ahead and fly it back to the airport instead of tow it. That was not a good idea. Uh, and you'll see <laughs> yeah. why here in a minute uh, while I get the video to play. And uh, here we go. Oh, oh. Uh oh. Oh my God. Wow. Let's so you it heard again. it in that video. Oh my gosh. Ding, Miraculously, ding. as you watch it again Brunch. in slow motion, no one was hurt. The crash happened on Highway 124 after the Winnie Rice Festival Parade. According to the Chambers County Sheriff's Office, the plane was traveling back to the airport from the parade when it clipped a light pole, crashed into a billboard, and then the pavement. The pilot was the only person on board. All right. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> I noticed uh, also it says here in the text that he went tearing through a stoplight. So he's probably going to get a, a ticket, ticket yeah, for that as well. Yeah, definitely going to get a ticket. <laughs> yeah. And here we go. This is a different angle. Now you're going to see a little bit more uh, evidence of what may have precipitated this crash as he's rolling along. And kind of starts leaving the paved surface. Oh, Uh-oh. He wanted some Dairy Queen. And then, of course, we he see. He almost missed up. Wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> yeah, now he's missed up. No, nope. yeah, he definitely messed up. Messed up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, well, that wouldn't have helped. Yes, David is correct. It got oh. towed after all. <laughs> Thank you, David. You're right. <laughs> Ironically, it got just a little yeah. bit later than expected. It was towed. Yes, to the yeah. junkyard. I yeah. <laughs> Not really sure that they could I salvage that. I don't think that. they'd be repairing that one. Nah. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, I don't know. I guess the, what's the lesson that we can learn from this? Um, ooh. Um, roads aren't generally meant to be runways. Yeah, that's a lesson. Um, maybe uh, be a little bit more conservative with uh, how long it's going to take your don't takeoff run. Roll, yeah. Yep. Or takeoff roll. Thought he was going to save time yeah. by flying. Yeah, and maybe it, maintain directional control so you don't end up in the grass before you try to take off. If you're right, yeah. I'm not sure how much you know. I, I would imagine it's kind of hard to see a lot when you're talking about your you're doing it your alignment be. there. But yeah, you I guess you know if you're if you've been flying these things a lot, you kind of use your peripheral uh, vision and and uh, cues, right? Yeah, but at to, that point, you already had the tailwheel up, so it was definitely more. Yeah. Um, Jeff, Snail Mail has an ad that he's seen there. Anyway. Um, Snail Mail 7 says, gently use Steerman for sale. Top dollars only. I know what I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know what <laughs> you got. Scratches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A few scratches. A few scratches. Just a couple of scratches. Yeah, that's pretty sad looking. I, I think it's mm. so sad because they are lovely airplanes, aren't they? Yeah. Like absolute classic. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it for our news segment today. And that, of course, means... 
It's time to get to know us. And I'm not going to sing. There we go. Look at that great photo of the crew. And uh, yeah, so it's a segment where we talk about what we've been doing between shows and uh, who would like to, uh, we're going to save, I think, Steph's for last because she has a lot of things to tell us about, I believe. Mm. Uh, And and you do too, Nick. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to go first. And uh, so let me see, let me get my little notes here. Uh, Just a quick, uh, if you're watching this live, it's Thursday, the 7th. And uh, in just uh, two days, finally, the Fargo meetup. And uh, just going to mention that one more time. By the time you actually are listening to the audio-only podcast and it's published, it's probably too late. So you needed to be paying attention to this earlier. Uh, But they're uh, meeting up at the Fargo airport at the uh, Fargo Jet Center, I believe. Um, Oh, can you hear the dog barking? I can hear the dog barking. Let yeah. The dogs out. And, uh, What's Taco doing there? I don't, I don't, I don't know. But um, you know what I need to do is I need to close my door. Um, hang on. Is, has, have the strays wandered bitten. in? To I, don't, I don't have a dog, Captain. by the way. I know. That's the concerning thing here. Maybe he does now. <laughs> it's not, my, it's a, not one of my dogs. It's not one of your is dogs. Is he a dog napper now? I think he's stolen someone's dog. Yeah. Yes. I think he's pinched next door's dog. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think that uh, the cabin to the south of this cabin, um, I think they must have uh, arrived for the weekend or something because they do have a dog or maybe whoever's using the cabin has a dog. Anyway, it's still barking away. I hear it. Yep. You still hear it? Darn it. Okay. Oh, well. Ambience. Yeah. Lots of ambience. Yes. Anyway. um, So, as I said, uh, Fargo Meetup, Fargo Jet Center, October 9th at 12 p.m., and they're going to go, high noon. excuse me, at high noon, high noon. Yep. And they are going to go to the, uh, have lunch at the shack on Broadway near located near the Fargo airport. So anyway, if you're, uh, if you're listening and you're in the Fargo area, head over there now. Well, not now. Saturday, no, Saturday, noon. Yeah. High noon. Fargo. All right. Uh, last trip that I was on, it was uh, day three or four. I, I recorded the last episode while I was on that trip, and a two-parter, day one and day two. But on day three, after we, re- we had recorded the show, I met up in Wichita with Nick Camacho and uh, recorded something. So let's take a listen. Hey, crew and community. Jeff here. I don't know. Did you recognize my voice? Anyway, I'm in Wichita Kansas. Haven't been here in a while, but we're, we're flying here again. And of course, Wichita air capital, right? Uh, this one person that I'm sitting next to right now in his car, we've just come back from a wonderful lunch at a barbecue place. Uh, he, uh, usually, uh, kind of signs in with Nick Camacho from the air center. Is that what Air you capital? said? Air capital. Darn. Wow. I didn't even close. get that right. <laughs> really close. Starts with a C. Pretty darn close. Anyway, so uh, yeah, um, Nick saw that I was going to be in Wichita, contacted me and said, let's do something, lunch, dinner, whatever. And uh, also put out some notices to let people know that we were here or I'm here and Nick uh, and I were going to go and do something like that. And please come and join us. Um, but it may have been la- too last minute, maybe people that are living in the Wichita area right now, maybe you're like way behind on the 
podcast and had no idea that I was, I'd be here. But next time. Anyway, so I'm going to stop talking and let Nick say hello to everybody. So here you go, Nick. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's been great to see Captain Jeff again. This is our first time back together since the uh, the pandemic started. I was just telling him the last time we met was, I think, the day everything kind of started shutting down here in the United States. The They canceled a number of sporting events and everything. And so, you know, with the time off Captain Jeff took and then the airplane change, they've been flying smaller airplanes here into Wichita. So uh, it was exciting to see his schedule pop up with Wichita on it again this month and glad that we were able to get together. Me too. Now, I'm a little disappointed that I didn't get a chance to get a ride in Betsy's Biscuit Bomber. <laughs> yeah. Right? I got that right. Yep. Okay. Uh, but of course, as you all know, I don't think it's, did, has it ever been here in Wichita? Yeah. We uh, we stopped when we were taking the airplane across the country, like to Europe in 19 or this year when we went to Oshkosh. The airplane will stop here at my home airport for a day or two each direction from California, but it's not based here. So it's, uh, we only get it here for a little slice of time. So you're saying uh, here, the air capital? Yes, that is correct. Okay, got it right. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to play the bell. Um, what else was, was I going to say? Well, anyway, no, I'm not really disappointed. Well, you know, one of these days it would be fun to get a ride in that thing. But I think I'm going to have to go out to California for that to happen. So anyway, uh, had a great time, good food, good conversation, all that kind of stuff. John, my first officer, is sitting in the back seat, just looking at us like, what are these crazy people doing? I don't think he's going to say anything. Just say hi. Hi. See? <laughs> he's such a, mis- a man of mystery. Anyway, so we had a good time, and I'm going to throw it back to you, uh, Jeff and crew, back in the studio. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> he doesn't normally sound like that. Uh, uh, anyway, um, oh, and, and if you're wondering, yes, I do carry that bell everywhere I go. Bing. <laughs> Bing. If I do something, if I say something that's right and I don't r- get to ring it very often, but when I do do something right, I do do when I do do, <laughs> well, that's something entirely different and personal. So we're not going to talk Fair about enough. that. Okay. And I'm sure I'm going to get some kind of a smart Alec. Oh, I'm not because she's not there. I'm she's looking not at the control there. She room. missed, she missed it. <laughs> the control uh, room is vacant. Empty. Yeah. Thank goodness. Chaos ensues. <laughs> All right. And then I also uh, met up with another uh, member of our uh, APG community. And, and in fact, I think the very first meetup that I ever did that I can recall anyway, was in Maryland, in Baltimore, Maryland. And he was among those who attended and uh, at the time, uh, his, he was known as William or Will Cool, and now he is known as Captain Cool. Yes. I mean... Oh, he messaged me recently, too. Did he? He was flying over the top of Charlotte, I think, and I got a uh, picture of the airport. So, Excellent. Yeah. In fact, it may have been when he was on his way from... Where, where was he? He was down at Hilton Head Island uh, heading to Atlanta. So maybe that's... Or when he snapped the photo or whatever. But anyway, I met mm. up with him as he had a layover. It would have been a little bit out of the way. Oh, would think. it have been? Yeah, I guess you're yeah. right. Never yeah. mind. Must have been somewhere else, uh, coming in from somewhere else. But anyway, he had a layover in Atlanta. And I drove down to the airport on Sunday evening and met up with him. And we had a nice meal and a uh, nice talk. And uh, it's just so, um, it didn't. we didn't record any audio in fact, after I dropped him off at his hotel, um, I, I went, oh, darn, Jeff, you did it again. And I called him up and said, hey, do you want to come back downstairs and, you know, do a quick audio? And he goes, ah, I'm okay. And I went, okay, good. Me too. 
So, um, <laughs> but it just, uh, it's so rewarding to meet up with people who have been listening to the show for so long and who, uh, I think he was a private pilot at that point. And now, uh, he is working for a regional airline, one of the big regionals out there, and he's a captain. And, uh, so he's, he's making a, an amazing, um, career for himself in the uh, world of aviation. And it's very gratifying that, uh, I can meet up with people like that have, who have been inspired by us and the, and our show. And, uh, so anyway, very cool. It was great seeing you captain cool. And, uh, I, I still envy, uh, envy that. I, I think that'd be really not neat to be a, to be captain cool. Captain cool. Yeah. You are it's a great captain name. cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, thanks Liz. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's it for me. Um, and let's now hear, who wants to go next? What would what would be the best order to to take this? Well, Steph needs to go last because she, okay, she's got the most exciting news. All right, well then I'll, then I'll, Nick, I'll be done. Quite go ahead. It's exciting, exciting, but I've news. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I said I did a uh, a smelly dog shoot up at uh, Boscombe Down. Uh, smelly dog what? Uh, a smelly dog shoot. Shoot. Uh, okay. Shoot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was. Um, a, detection, a dog detection trial. So the dogs are supposed to be, uh, they're marked on their ability to uh, detect and or locate, uh, detect and locate a scent. Uh, and it was in this fantastic uh, aviation museum, which uh, is really there to um, show the aircraft that uh, were at um, the aircraft establishment at Boscombe Down, where the Empire Test Pilot School uh, is, um, and it's got love, some lovely exhibits from down there, like Sea Harriers. Uh, there's some meteor behind uh, these people there. Uh, so uh, it was great fun. I really enjoyed it because it, you know, it mixed up a lot of my uh, favorite things in life. Uh, so uh, lovely, intelligent, uh, and capable dogs, uh, airplanes, and my love of photography. So that was really a great day and enjoyed that. And uh, the orders are coming in. So uh, obviously the people who were there and, and that can now see the pictures are enjoying them and ordering some, which is great. Um, got Mike uh, Wildman, the cardboard cutout behind me that side. Um, he's uh, the He features in The Plain Tale tonight. And uh, because uh, he's looking for sponsors, uh, you'll find out all about it if you listen to the next three plain tales, because uh, we're going to get his story in three parts. Uh, you'll find out why I think he's such a remarkable pilot and why I think it's such a fantastic um, thing that he's doing uh running this formation team um, and why I think it's important that we do our best to support him. Anyway, if you're a sponsor and in a position to help him, then please uh, listen to tonight's plain tale and perhaps get in touch with Mike. Uh, and next week I'm heading off to uh, fast, which is the name of the um, museum at uh, Farnborough, the uh, airport there where the Royal Aircraft Establishment was, et cetera, et cetera, um, for a secret assignment and uh, more of that to come Ooh. in future weeks. So a meeting Nev there and we're having a look around yeah, with a view to doing cover. something special there. Perhaps we'll see. Anyway, mm. uh, thanks very much indeed for the lovely scientist, Phil, who we met at the Fair Oaks meetup. It's amazing the people who listen to our show. So uh, he's managed to arrange 
a uh, special tour and a look round at the facilities there. Uh, so Neva and I are going to go and poke our noses in. Hmm. So looking forward to that. Uh, and the only other thing to mention is that I have uh, a lovely... Now, you can't see it very well because of green screening. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a transparent... Uh, there you go, look. Transparent can drop of Noda. Oh. Hop, drop and roll. What? Now, how did you get that? Did how they did sell you that, that over there? I don't know. It magic It magicked its way across the Atlantic. Huh. I don't know how it got here, actually. Hmm. But I will tell you one thing. It knocks your socks off. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to be careful what I say after having drunk this. Oh, is it, it's 7.4%, I think, or 72 Yeah, something 7. like 4. that. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's almost it's like, beer. you know, drinking a can of cold wine. It's <laughs> strong. <laughs> yeah. It's a good IPA, though. Absolutely. Very, IPA. very nice IPA. Yes, uh, I enjoyed it. But after drinking one the other night uh, with company, uh, I started speak, speaking blather, which you know, I hadn't done for a long time. <laughs> I was going to say, we're kind of used to that. Maybe yeah, well, you yeah. Are. I mean, I'll say, I don't think the company noticed any uh, anything unusual about That's good. how I'm you were speaking. Well, I think I'm very glad. Company may have also had yes, so, some beverages. So, so I mean, uh, well, you're you're acting as if you were there, Steph, to hear this hmm. blather. Hmm. Were you? <laughs> well, someone had to transport the local Charlotte beer to Nick's house. Ah, yes, so. you see. Postman yes. wasn't nearly yes. uh, trustworthy enough. No, I would not leave that to uh, international mail. That would not go well, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I was in the UK this past weekend. Um, first time I've been there. First international trip since March of 2020. Um, so it was that was very nice, very lovely. Um, I've mentioned on previous shows that I had some marathon running coming up, and um, now to be fair, the <laughs> the London marathon was this past Sunday, and that was actually a very last minute entry for me. Um, I only signed up for it a couple weeks beforehand, um, and that had to do with I was planning on running it next year in April, and they pushed that race to the following October as well. And I was like, you know what? I'm just getting sick and tired of waiting to run this race. So I was on their website, and I found out that they still had charity places available. So I signed up with one of the charities. Happened to be the same one that um, our good friend Pilot Pip was running for, and um, yeah, they let me let me do that. So um, hastily made some. Uh, travel arrangements and got in touch with Nick and said, Hey, I'm going to be, going to be in town. I know I, there's a lot of people that would have been nice to um, meet up with, but um, it was actually a very short trip for me as well. I left Friday night and was back Monday afternoon. Um, but no, yeah, it was, I didn't it was... get a lot of notice. I tried to leave town, but it was too late. I, just yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a fuel shortage I here. You... I didn't have enough fit petrol to drive away. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of Pip and up. the charity uh, stuff, uh, Pip sent us some audio feedback. Should we play that now? And then we'll talk more about the uh, the marathon. And Okay. Let's do that. Because I think Let's... he has, has some questions for me. I think he does. Yes. Mm-hmm. Some very pointed questions. Here we go. Mm. Hey sports fans, it's Pip here. Just fresh off the marathon trail heading home. My legs are a bit achy. Uh, it was really nice to catch up yesterday with uh, the good doctor, Steph, uh, at the expo. And then uh, a bunch of us had a, a nice dinner up on the 38th floor of the hotel with some, eventually, some nice views of London once the torrential rain that Steph brought with her uh, cleared up. Uh, but unfortunately, I didn't get to catch up with you, Steph, today after the marathon. Um, a, because you were so far ahead of me, you were like a, the flash, you were just a blur. Speedy Gonzalez 
Uh, and also, you apparently felt it more important to rush off afterwards, rather than hang around to see me, rush off and see Nick. Nick? Really? Why on earth would you want to see him instead of me? Nah, come on, I'm only being serious. Um, so, listen, Steph, I'd like to know, because I didn't get a chance to catch up with you, uh, I'd like to know what you thought of the marathon. How did it go for you? What did you think of the route, the sights, the sounds, the... The crowds, the bands, the um, enormous variety of weather <laughs> that we had today, and how it compared to other marathons. Um, and maybe you can tell everyone the madness that you're considering doing next weekend as well. I think it's bad for your health, but uh, you know what do I know? You're the doctor. Uh, anyway, it was lovely to catch up. Maybe catch up with some of you uh, soon. Hey, you know what? If uh, any of you APGers just happen to be in Lincoln, Nebraska next Friday, then give me a bell. I shall briefly be in town uh, heading across to pick up our latest Embraer Lemon aircraft that's come out of the come off the production line and uh, and fly it back to Lisbon, Portugal. So that'll be a nice little adventure for me. Uh, actually, also one of my last flights for a while, at least on the uh, on the Lemon, as I'll be heading stateside again a little later in the month in October to start my Challenger 350 rating, the Bombardier Challenger 350. Beautiful aircraft. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so hopefully catch up with some of you over the coming weeks. Anyhow, take care for now. Bye. Hmm. Hmm. Let's let's back up for just a second here. Pip makes it sound like I didn't get to spend any time with him in London. He but, did make it uh, sound like that. He did, but let's just set the record straight on that. Um, when I arrived on Saturday, um, actually, I, I saw a fair amount of people while I was there for a very short trip. I met up with um, a couple of running friends of mine. Um, uh, Saturday morning, I had breakfast with one of them. We went over to the expo together, um, and then Pip and his friend arrived at the expo. Um, so I got to spend some time wandering around, doing all the, the running things. Mostly, we sampled some free um snacks and chips and crisps and things and convinced them to give us several bags of those for our own personal use. I think I left a bag you know, at Nick's house. Funny enough, I associate these running events with health. <laughs> no. Well, no. that's your first You're mistake. Kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like um, okay. as Pip said, yeah, you know, he doesn't think it's rat- very healthy to do what uh, Steph is going yeah, to Yeah, I'll get I'll get to okay. that. I'll get to that. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go in chronological order here because otherwise I'm going to forget things. Right. Um, it was quite a line to get into the expo because you had to um, – they were checking everyone's COVID tests kind of sort of. Um, and there was just a very long queue to, to get into the expo in the first place. But anyway, got in, um, you know, made some purchases. You got to have running gear um, from each marathon. It's just a thing. So I try to limit myself to – one item of clothing per per marathon these days. I don't need more clothes. And um, so, yeah, so I met up with Pip at the expo. Um, and then we ended up, um, as he did mention, going over to the the hotel where he was staying not too far away. Um, there was a, a very nice restaurant and bar up on the 38th floor. And um, was very, it did end up being very nice views of the city. Um, but at first it was pouring rain. Um and I did not bring that weather with me, I'd just like to say. Um, I think I brought the weather for the marathon uh, itself with me, um, which was actually quite nice, uh, good running conditions. So yeah, so I ended up spending a um, uh, little bit of time with Pip for dinner and then made my way back to my hotel, met up with another friend of mine who was running and staying at my hotel, had another uh, beverage before going to bed. I think I had three beers that evening. I think that's recommended um, carb loading for, for a marathon. 
Um, what, what about alcohol loading? Yeah, I, I think that's that's what you're supposed to do. Oh, uh, alcohol and car. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's carbs. And um, what else? Yeah. So then he asked about uh, the race itself. So London, um, and the real the the big reason why I wanted to get this one checked off the the list of races. Um, I've probably talked about it before, but there's a series of six races all around the world that are part of the Abbott World Marathon Majors series. Um, and those are, there's three here in the US, Chicago, New York, Boston, and then three international marathons, London, Berlin, and Tokyo. And London was the only one that I had not yet done. So when you complete the entire series, you end up with, they give you this very large, nice medal, you know, congratulations, um, kind of a used to be a more exclusive club. More and more people are finishing all the races now, but still very few in, in comparison to how many people run each of these marathons have done all six. And it's just kind of a, you know, uh, I, I love the travel aspect of it. I like going different places, meeting different people. So it was, it was a fun uh, mission to, to get through all of those races. So, um, but in comparison to some of the other races, I thought London was London was great. I mean, the crowd support was fantastic. I think everyone was a little nervous because there haven't been any large races run in the past um, year and a half, basically. Um, a lot of them canceled. A lot of them did virtual runs last year. Um, even this year, I think Tokyo canceled again for this year. Uh, Berlin happened the weekend before London, and that was the first major marathon to happen in, like I said, a year and a half. Um, but yeah, the people of London and the UK were great. They came out, they cheered, they supported. Um this is a very nicely designed course because it goes back goes past uh, just a lot of the the interesting highlights in London, right? So it goes past the Cuddy Sark, and you run across Tower Bridge and down the Embankment, and past um, you know the finish line is, is super iconic. It's right in front of Buckingham Palace. Um, so yeah, that was that was excellent. My only real complaint was compared to some other races. The water stops seemed pretty spread out, although they definitely wanted people to kind of carry their own water this year so you weren't having so many touch points. And there was not a lot of um, like sports drink available. There was some on the course, but not a not a ton. So that's my only kind of I wish they had more uh, more water, more Gatorade, more Lucozade. It was course. raining, wasn't it? No, it was sunny. Oh, okay. It had been raining <laughs> the day before. You could, it rained the day before. A lot of puddles, you know, and there's a big river there as well. Oh, so you could just are scoop you, up are, some water? Is that recommended yeah. to drink ah. out of the Thames? Oh, yeah. That, that river's lovely nowadays. Yeah, you, mm. get, mm -hmm. you get whales in it and things. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, um yeah, no, the, the race itself was was lovely. It was a beautiful day for it. The weather was gorgeous. It was a little overcast in the morning. I think it was ended up topping out around 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which is pretty good for, for racing. It was a little humid. Sun came out. It's a little windy? breezy. Little little breezy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it, it was a wonderful day. It was really nice. Um, and then as Pip said, I kind of just went back to the hotel, showered, and um, made my way down to Nick's place for the evening. Thank goodness. And Julie cooked yeah. a fabulous recovery meal, so my thanks to her again. It was drove a stick shift all the way down on the wrong side of the road, and I but luckily it. she didn't hit anybody. I didn't hit anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time that she's done that. No, I've actually driven a fair amount in the UK. Mm -hmm. Never. I'm very impressed. Yeah, very impressed. I can, I can manage it. And oh, I did meet. I did get to meet with um, Adam Spink too, very briefly on um, Saturday morning when I got there. He was going into work, so we sat down and had a cup of tea. Adam Spink, I don't know. We've English. heard of that guy. I know. Hmm. Sounds a little familiar. Yes, yes. 
good friend of the show. Yeah. Um, what else? I feel like I'm probably forgetting something He's else. He's got anyway. his own podcast, did not he, Adam? Yes, yeah, it's he does. called the Plane Safety Podcast. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> With sometime guests, Pip and, Pip and uh, Al. Al. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very true. Um, speaking of, Pip is on his way already to, he mentioned going to Lincoln, Nebraska. I think he's on his way there starting as of today. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Stan um, over in the in the Facebook chat, um, we're, we're trying to move him over to the uh, where all the cool kids are in the YouTube chat. Mm. Uh, but he said that uh, he's in Lincoln. Uh, just moved there. So uh, we're going to try to get him hooked up with Pip. Hopefully it's not too late. Hmm. So well, Yeah, I don't I don't think that. so. He's not there yet. He's he's currently Oh, in route. In route. Okay. So, Excellent. And um oh, Pip, Pip did um allude to what I'm doing this coming weekend, which I've turned this into the running podcast, I'm sorry. Um but there's more <laughs> running to be done this weekend. I'm going to be running two more of those world marathon majors, but ones I've done in the past, um, Chicago, this will be my eighth Chicago marathon on Saturday or Sunday, excuse me. And then on Monday, um, I'm running the Boston marathon. So, so wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're running two, two major marathons. marathons in a yes. row. Yes. Back to back. Te- technically Having done three. the London one the week before. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, wow. as a doctor, would you recommend that to your no, patients? No, it's not a good idea. <laughs> no? Okay. But it's, uh, yeah, so a lot of it, I enjoy the, uh, the logistical challenge because I actually have to go to Boston first before I can go to Chicago because I have to pick up my bib there in person and show my COVID um, you know, vaccination status card and get a wristband to prove that I've been vaccinated so they don't have to keep checking the cards and have to wear that all weekend. And then I have to go back to Chicago, run that race, and then back to Boston. And yeah, I'm just tired it's gonna be- hearing you talk about it. It's going to be a fun weekend. Looking forward to it. Excellent. Excellent. I can't wait well, to hear I that. Ho- I hope it'll work out. Uh, I hope so, no, too. No I idea what you'll be like at the end off. of two yeah. marathons. Yeah. I'm not sure either. I've never done something so dumb. Well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Quite so dumb. Yeah. Dumb. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I, I, I hardly need to say it, but anything else going on in your life stuff? Haven't done any flying. Okay. Personally. Yeah. You've it was done nice plenty to do lately, haven't you? Well, I, I've been on an airplane yeah. a lot in the past uh, couple of days, but Very it was good. nice on the way over. It was a nice plush business class seat, and hmm. I slept. Did and, you come uh, back in business? No, premium economy, which was actually that was fine. It was actually a, uh, I had a bulkhead seat, and the footrest is actually really nice on those because it's part of the seat. Because I think the other ones in that particular configuration the footrest is on the seat in front of you but this one like was part of the seat and it came out even farther and it was a lot of leg room and i didn't have to climb over the person next to me to use the lav and they still serve really nice meals and i wanted to stay mostly awake for that flight anyway to get back on the correct time zone so um yeah that was nice i was just a bit concerned that you might cramp up if you didn't have lots of leg room well yeah yeah so but the guy i was sitting next to um was there for the marathon as well, but his wife and his friend ran. He did not. He just spectated, and he was going back a day early. <laughs> Very sensible. We, talked, we chatted a bit about it. Yeah. She was – that was number – I think that was her fifth world marathon major. She was just waiting on Tokyo at this point. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. Yep. Aren't you glad you did that one a while back? Yeah, I, I think I lucked out with the timing on that because they keep canceling that one. So. Hmm. Well, I'm just flabbergasted well. that uh, – you're, you're doing uh, all yeah, these well, marathons. Yeah, you mentioned your time going around London. I thought it was pretty impressive. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I ran a um, four. What did I run? Four twenty-two, I think. Is yep. that right? Yeah, four twenty-two and a bit. Yeah, four twenty-two. One of your better times. No, it's kind of middle of the pack, but okay. um, very much on purpose, knowing that I had these two um, other races coming up this weekend. I'd like to race Chicago, but it's going to be eighty degrees in Chicago on Sunday, yeah. um, and that has me rethinking my plan to try and go for a good time, especially mm-hmm. with Boston the next day. I think I might just jog and mm-hmm. enjoy it and maybe drink a beer along the way and have all the kids. It's kind of what fun. I did in London. I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I did go out fairly quick through the first half. And then um, I realized I said, oh, I should probably, you know, dial this back just a, just a notch. And around mile 18, I actually got pretty hungry. I was like, wow, we need to eat something. Um, and the Salvation Army was out with supporters and they had a table set up with Coke and chips and almonds and had a bag of chips and a can of Coke. Oh, I was hoping it would be like bangers and mash or something like that. Yeah. No, it was like Doritos. Something substantial. Actually, it was Lay's. It was Lay's. Fish and chips. Fish and chips. Lay's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I might take a similar uh, similar strategy in Chicago. We'll see. 80 degrees is awfully hot for marathon running. Well, well, Dr. Dan, um, uh, we need to fill him in. I know, you know, it's it's not something we do for every single person listening to the show, but Dr. Dan, we can do it for you. Mm. He said, stupid patience. I missed what Steph is up, uh, up to coming up. So she just finished the London marathon and now she's going to do the Chicago and Boston marathons back to back this weekend. Yep. Yep. So Dr. Dan, you're a doctor. Would you please give (laughs) this doctor here some Some medical advice? advice? Please? Of course, I don't think she's going to listen to anybody. We'll do a curbside chat later. It's it's all right. Psychiatrist. Yes. Do we have any psychiatrist doctors (laughs) in the the chat room? I think that's what she Oh, no. They they know we're a lost cause. They don't even try to reason with us anymore. They use our show as an example to uh, uh, (laughs) the other. Yeah, what not to to be be like these people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Jeff, I have connected by email Stan and Pip. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Excellent. Oh, family and friends. And yeah. Um, Liz just uh, sent me a message uh, from the control room here that she has now uh, got. Uh, uh, let's see. Who is it? Um, Stan. Stan. Stan and uh, Pip um, got them all hooked up uh, via email. So hopefully uh, they'll get a chance to meet up with each other and then uh, hopefully they'll record some audio and send it in and we can play it on the next show. What that do you think? Great. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Excellent. Okay, one other thing. Yeah. There's a birthday boy in the chat room. Oh, happy birthday, um, birthday. Happy birthday. Hamish. It's, uh, he, he made it here. Well, happy birthday. I, I mean, I would not have known that had it not been for the little bird in my ear uh, telling me that. So happy birthday, Hamish, Robert, Rob, Rob, Dick, <laughs> and, <laughs> and all so the above. Names. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so... With that, I think is is there anything else? No, Hope not. I don't think so. Okay, I think that's more than enough. More than enough, Liz says. More than enough. She's yawning. Okay, now it's time for the coffee fund. So let's talk about how you can become a supporter financially. Johnny, how much more coffee? No thanks. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, yeah. A 
That's Jeff Smith singing the APG Java Jive as we talk about the Coffee Fund and a couple of ways to support the show financially via the Coffee Fund. One's called the Coffee Fund Classic Method. And since the last episode, several have joined, or not joined, but participated in the Coffee Fund Classic. We have Alistair Kerr, Mazuts Karim, Randy Ackerman, Peter Kent, Adam Roney, and Keith Carlson. Thank you, one and all, for your generous contribution to the show. The other way to become a supporter is via Patreon. You can become a patron. And since the last show, we have a new producer. His name, Peyton. Or is it her name? Or her name. That's right. It could be a her name. Anyway, uh, whoever this person is, they just use one name because they don't want anybody to identify them or connect them in any way with supporting a show like this. Yeah. So... If you're interested well, we're in... We're happy to get their contributions. Yes, we are happy to get their contributions. Thank you, Liz. And if you're interested in joining this Coffee Fund, Coffee Bar Club, Coffee Fund Cadre, please head over to airlinepilotguide.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did, and we will too. Captain, incoming message. All right, let's start with uh, this from Ben in Australia. And uh, he said, hearing Captain Roger Victor's acronym song on episode 489 brought back some memories of the start of my A330 course back in 2008. Whoa. Uh-oh. It was an acorn that hit the hit the roof here. Man, sometimes it <laughs> startles. it through the roof? <laughs> I, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Jeez. Yeah, it's scary. It, it, it actually makes me jump um, when I hear those things coming How down. How big are acorns in America? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a tin. It's, it's like here. a steel. It's a steel roof, and there's no insulation, so it's just like the wood Oak. planks, and then uh, probably some kind of material over the top of that, and then the actual um, steel roof or whatever it's made from. So you got a hot tin roof. A hot tin roof. And it's beautiful when the rain is coming down, but when those acorns hit, man, it startles a you-know-what out of me. I mean, I jump. It's I'm not used to it yet. But uh, anyway, I don't know if you ever get used to that. So uh, getting back to this here. On day one, uh, so A330 course back in 2008. On day one, amongst the 18 manuals I was uh, issued was this little gem, the AAD. It's called the Airbus abbreviations dictionary. I think we have an overlay of it. Uh, 91 pages of glorious abbreviations. Regards, Ben. Well, should, I, I lined them all up for you. should be all in line. I, I also love that they've actually abbreviated the abbreviations dictionary. Oh, yeah. I like that. That too. made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm looking at it thinking, I'm, I'm not sure if Airbus know what they're doing here because uh, they've got five letter a, A's. Just the letter A. So yeah. So you could a. you could write down A and it could be any one of five Air, things. Air alternate. Amber. Amber. Area. Yeah. And that's just and uh, I, I, what you really need is a copy of the AAAH. The Airbus approved abbreviations handbook. <laughs> yes, that's right. For a complete list. <laughs> I think we need an APG abbreviations handbook. We need an they, APG abbreviations handbook, according to Liz. Well, mm. Yeah. And, and the, the, some of them, like absorb, 
they've only abbreviated it by taking ER off the end. So absorb <laughs> means absorber. And I'm going, really? What's the, why don't you just add the ER? <laughs> yeah. What's the point of abbreviating something You're by saying two, two letters, letters there, though? You know? Yeah. And know. however long it takes you to type those two letters. <laughs> Over the course of however many times you're going to write the word absorber, that could be significant savings. Uh, really of course, you have possibly. to push the cap locks button before you can type it. So you've really only saved one keystroke. That's true. Hmm. There you uh -huh. go. Anyway, I thought it was quite amusing. It is. Definitely is. Well, thank you, Ben, for sending that in. And uh, let's move on to the next item in our feedback. And this is some audio feedback from Jordan. Now, you remember that I met up with Jordan in Asheville a couple of weeks ago, and he had some exciting news for us that he was accepted to the flight attendant training program at um, Brickyard, Brickyard, I guess we're calling it. And um, he offered to send us some audio feedback um, periodically to kind of keep track of his experience. And uh, sure enough, he did so. And here's his first uh, installment. Take it away, Jordan. Hey, APG crew. This is FA trainee Jordan. I just finished week one here at the training center in Indianapolis. This past week, we focused on getting acquainted with the company, general policies, and airline terminology. We dove in headfirst with an exam on day one uh, on the virtual training that they sent us uh, before we arrived here. And we moved right on to learning new information. Like I mentioned, we covered a lot of the basic stuff about our company. Uh, we got our electric flight attendant manuals, which is phenomenal. Any of you old school flight crew folks know how much of a pain it is to deal with a paper fam. So having the, the iPhones that the company gives us is just so cool. Um, we, we just kind of... Like I said, we dove in. We just started immediately learning all things airline. We're a unique carrier here at Brickyard. Um, we fly for three major co-shares as well as operating the largest fleet of Embraer E-Jets in the world. Um, another facet of my initial training this past week has been aircraft familiarization. So because we fly the Embraer uh, E-Jet family, we we can get familiarized on one aircraft and that'll, that'll cover us. So we actually got to go out to our maintenance facility on the airport, go to a plane that was in maintenance and, you know, see and feel and hear all the real stuff. It was, it was really interesting. Um, and there's just nothing like walking up to a plane on the, on the ramp level. I mean, it's, it's a special feeling. The finale to this past week though, was we got to learn about the phases of flight. So, pre-flighting, passenger boarding, um, taxi, learned all about sterile cockpit and all the accidents that come with all these different phases and why we do things the way we do them. Um, takeoff, cruise, service, landing, taxi in, and deplaning. Uh, and then that all came to a head with a mock flight with our instructors as our flight attendants in our one-half scale, I guess not one-half, they just cut out half of the seats. Uh, they just like cut off the back of the plane uh, in our cabin trainer in the training center. And it was a fantastic representation of kind of what we need to know for regular day-to-day -day operations, and it helped to put together a lot of what we learned over the past week. Um, next week, we start emergency equipment and aircraft emergencies, and I am so excited to share with you all um, a lot of the high points. Blue skies, tailwinds, and passing grades to all. See you next time.
Excellent. Great to hear your feedback and look forward to hearing your how your journey goes with uh, learning to be a flight attendant for Brickyard. And uh, he mentioned code shares that this airline flies for three major uh, airlines here in uh, the U.S. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the update. Send some more. Yes. All right. Let's continue then with uh, this feedback from Luke. Uh, what imagine L-U-C is pronounced Luke. Um, let's see. I've been listening to the show for a few years during my drive to and from the airport as well as during my runs. I've not been giving any feedback yet, but I really appreciate the ABG crew and you're doing a great job. Plain tales are for me the best part of the show. Yes, for many they are, Luke. A colleague of mine shared an Airbus Tech Refresher YouTube video. I don't want to add to the Airbus versus Boeing argument, but maybe it is worth sharing. Uh, there is uh, several. Uh, there are several tech refresher videos on the channel like this one. And so let me uh, go over here and set up the share video thing. My dog is barking again, as you can hear. And I haven't actually <laughs> met my dog yet, but um, I'm getting used to its bark. Your dog Acme? Did you call him Acme? Uh, yeah, my dog Acme. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, maybe that's what... If I get a dog, I'll name it Acme, maybe. Y yes, that's the only appropriate term. Definitely. All right, here we go. Wait, is this right? No, this is not it. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, and it doesn't look like a baseball game. Um, no, uh, I, I must have clicked on the wrong video. I am so sorry. We'll see that one later. Um, <laughs> it's a good job you didn't click on the wrong video that you were going to look at later. Oh, yeah. Well, I try to keep those on a different <laughs> machine. Here we go. <laughs> Beta target rap. Let's go. Listen to me now when don't bother getting skeptical Cause when an engine fails your thrust gets asymmetrical But thanks to the Airbus and it's a great law Service to flex to reduce the roll in the yaw And the very best part about it as you surely see Is that it does all of this automatically While this automatic deflection makes it easy to fly around Who needs the extra drag? We want to get away from the ground Best way to fly is with these surfaces retracted Airbus tried to make sure you don't get distracted So as a way to show you just exactly what to do The side slip index changes colors from yellow to blue so center it, brother, center it, brother, center that mother, center that mother by stepping on the rudder. Center it, brother, center it, brother, center that mother, center that mother by stepping on the rudder. So let me tell you, brother, if you don't want to sweat, make sure that you center that beta target. Now let me pause a moment, there's something to make clear. There are just a few things you need to make it appear. It only shows up with an engine asymmetry, and you must have selected configs one, two, or three. Here's my beta target advice, please don't refuse it. When an engine fails at takeoff, you need to know how to use it the first thing you do is find the pitch that is best start with about 12 degrees and follow the srs once you got the pitch set gently squeeze in some rudder i say it again you gotta center it brother i know it feels good but don't play with your stick until after you center that beta target once you got it sorted now move the closest limb to the edge of the pedestal and start working the trim you're flying like a pro now you hit the big time with the beta target centered you'll fly straight and climb so center it yeah. brother center it brother center that mother center that mother by stepping on the rudder, center it, brother. You center it, brother. Center that mother, center that mother by stepping on the rudder. Hey. All right. So, uh, I love that. I think it's absolutely <laughs> brilliant and are perfectly they technically correct. I would hope so. And uh, are they going to do the entire manual? Um, 
He's done I quite hope a so. few videos, actually. <laughs> Are there? Okay. I He's also going to do the Airbus, Airbus abbreviations dictionary. Oh, and, no. Uh, <laughs> that could be a very long video. Maybe stuff one pages. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it, I, the, the rhyming, I thought, was very good. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. absolutely brilliant. I managed to get all that in there. Yeah. And, I, uh, and, and if you, you are in any doubt, we now know what to do with the beta target. And the fact that it changes from blue to yellow or yellow to blue? Uh, maybe yellow in, to blue. Okay, yellow to blue. With uh, a bit of engine asymmetry. Yeah. Nick, you should think about maybe doing some of these. Huh? And in flaps one, two, or three. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think he's watched this yeah, a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. But I, I can wear my hat backwards. Does that help? Uh, maybe a no. little bit. No, <laughs> no, doesn't help at all. I wear it forwards. Needs to do a duet with him. Yes. Oh, Steph needs to do 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 a duet with Nick. It's uh, on the album. Actually. It's on the album. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Man, I We've can't already wait recorded for that album. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait. All right, <laughs> some production delays. Um, that's that's, uh, that's really hands. cool. Thank you, Luke, for uh, sending that in. That was very um, entertaining. Can we have one every week, please? Uh, I don't know. I'm wondering if uh, YouTube is going to get upset with me playing that, but who knows? We'll see. They might. They Masha might. says that slaps. I guess that means it's good. That slaps. Know. Okay, that's what Masha says. Okay. I never heard that term, but yeah, it slaps. You know it, girl. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Get down. It's just sad, isn't it, Masha? Uh oh. I was going to play some um, audio feedback from. It's disappeared, Grinner, but it's not there. <laughs> what happened to it? What happened? It's all gone. Um. Hmm. Not for me. I don't know. Let me see if I can find the folder from which I copied it. And I hear I hear a lawnmower. I didn't know anybody had a lawnmower up here at the cabin. On, the, on my little lane. Hopefully you can't hear that. Um, oh, here I have this. So let me pop that back in, so to speak. <laughs> okay. Are we all ready to hear the audio feedback from Grinner? Yes. Let's do it. Hello, Jeff, Nick, Steph, Rick, and all APGs. It's Derek here, a.k.a. Grinner, and greetings from good old Blighty. I thought I'd just uh, take the opportunity to leave a little bit of uh, voice feedback for you. And uh, first of all, uh, my uh, name, my nickname, Grinner, uh, was my call sign. Um, In fact, it was presented to me on day two of pilot training uh, way back in early 1984. And uh, it stuck with me ever since. I'd just like to uh, put one point uh, or correct one point, uh, Nick and uh, Nigel, uh, accused me of uh, going to fly Jaguars, uh, and I would just like to uh, point out I didn't go to fly Jaguars, I was an air-to-air man through and through. In fact, I flew Lightnings, that was the English electric variant as opposed to the uh, modern F-35, uh, flew the Lightning for two years, and then moved on to the Tornado F-3, so remained in the air-to-air role until I retired from the Air Force in early 2004. Um, in fact, Nick and I uh, managed to avoid each other for most of the time in the Air Force, but uh, we did take, have the opportunity to fly with each other uh, twice on the same day. In fact, it's 22nd of May 1991 when Nick was a flight commander up at uh, Lucas. And uh, I was up there with uh, a couple of other qualified weapons instructor pilots. And we were uh, clearing all of the, uh, Lu- the Lucas wing pilots 
uh, to go off and do air-to-air gunnery uh, dual checks before they went off and fired live uh, live bullets. And Nick and I flew together twice on the same day. I uh, believe uh, that the uh, the first sortie, uh, there was a problem with the banner, so we ended up going off and just doing some 1v1, uh, but then we successfully managed to uh, complete Nick's dual, flight, uh, dual check on the, on the second flight. So that was it. I would like to leave a little bit of feedback on uh, the uh, old pilot's plane tales. The four instructors uh, went into a bar uh, because it was just delightful to hear some uh, fantastic and extremely funny stories from uh, four people that I knew to a greater or lesser extent, uh, particularly Barry, who talked about his injection from, his injection from uh, lightning whilst practising uh, for uh, low-level aerobatics uh, to be uh, the display pilot. And uh, in fact, Barry and I served on the same squadron when I was a very, very young uh, flying officer straight out of pilot training. Uh, flying officer for uh, the Americans' first lieutenant or first lieutenant. Um, and I was uh, programmed to uh, f- fly on the very first uh, wave of the day, as the junior pilot often uh, gets uh, stitched with. Um, and I walked out to the aeroplane uh, with my, uh, my wingman or leader, I can't remember which way around it was, uh, and I was getting strapped into uh, my uh, big lightning, uh, ready to uh, launch off to go and do some exercise, uh, whilst Barry was uh, starting to commence his practice. I didn't actually see the whole event. I saw the outcome, because I was too busy getting strapped into the aeroplane and uh, just getting really, really involved in uh, what I needed to be doing. And the ground crew who'd, who'd strapped me in came rushing back up the stairs and Sir, 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 you need to get out. And I'm sort of looking at him going, what? Go away. No, I don't. I'm trying to get airborne. He goes, no, 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 sir. No, you need to get out. And he just stood on the ladder next to me and pointed across the airfield. And right in front of me, as I looked up, there was a big, big plume of very black smoke rising from the other side of the airfield, like a big mushroom cloud. And as I lifted my head up to look up, there was this little man on the end of a parachute, which was Barry having uh, successfully managed to eject. At which stage, I sort of look across at uh, the guy in the other aeroplane, who shrugs, we gently unstrap, and we walk back, back, and we walked back into the squadron. And uh, thankfully, Barry was uninjured, apart from a slightly sore back, and I think he probably suffered a little bit of a sore head later that evening. I don't think we did much flying for the rest of the day. So anyway, that's my little bit of feedback uh, to add to uh, Barry's story from last week. The other stories uh, that came out uh, from the instructing world were absolutely fantastic, had me howling with laughter, particularly particularly the student pilot who uh, couldn't find Loch Ness uh, because he wasn't over it. I thought that was absolutely fantastic, uh, nearly drove off the road laughing. But uh, please, please do some more, Nick. They were uh, absolutely fantastic. And uh, great podcast. Thank you very much for uh, allowing me to speak. Thank you, Derek, uh, otherwise known as Grinner. Now, he mentioned that he got that nickname uh, just out of pilot training, I think, or during pilot training. He didn't yeah. tell us why, though. I mean, I'm just assuming it's because he always has a grin on his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I must admit, I, I, I didn't I don't recall flying with Grinner. Uh, I would have hoped I would have remembered his big grin, but uh, apparently not. Um, but I did actually did look in my logbook, and there it is. Uh, focus. There you go. Okay, let me. Uh, uh, okay, I'm Mike put... Smith. There we go. All right. Tornado 
ZE888, Flight Tent Smith, Airway Gunnery Duel, DNCO, duty not carried out, the banner failed. And I'm trying to remember what happened. I have a feeling the banner wouldn't fly straight. It wouldn't fly vertical. It was sort of close to being level, in which case you can't really shoot on it or it, you can't judge the distance, uh, etc. Is it one easily. of those kind of banners that you see, like at sporting events and that kind of thing, where you uh, yeah, like that, eat that at kind Joe's of thing or something like that? Yep, exactly. Joe's but, diner. Uh, okay. It's only it's about thirty something feet long and about you know, six six or seven feet tall, and it's held up by a big bar with the weight on one end to hold it vertical. But if that weight isn't brilliant, then hmm. it'll sort of fly strangely. Anyway, um, apparently we did some combat. I don't remember that. Did we win? Uh, I hope so, Grin. <laughs> 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 well, so, if no one remembers, you can claim that you did. Yeah, that's very true. But we, we got we got a dual check done the next one, which was uh, brilliant. Anyway, um, thanks very much for the feedback. Uh, I, I have to say the um, we did receive it. You you did it all right. It's just that the system uh, fell down and the email you sent wasn't correctly addressed because it gets rerouted to Jeff because he gets an awful now lot he, of them. Yeah, he, he correctly addressed it. It's just that yeah. I have a system that goes from one ser- email server and sends it to my Gmail server. And then from there, it gets into the system to go to our Evernote notebooks. And I know it's complicated. And I need to uh, do something to fix that because I went back and I hardly ever look at the actual real airlinepilotguy.com email server. And sure enough, I did a search for uh, Derek and I saw your audio that you sent back in August, August 1st. So I do apologize for the little glitch. I hate to use that term, but uh, everybody seems to these days. So sorry for the glitch. I'll uh, try to take steps to uh, keep that from happening again in the future. And please don't feel discouraged that we didn't play it right away because we would love to hear more audio feedback from you. Absolutely, yeah. And as regards getting uh, the four QFIs together again, well, uh, it, the problem is uh, getting them together when they're sober because, uh, you know, usually <laughs> yeah. it's a nightmare. So I'll, I'll do my best, but uh, we'll see. Oh, that's great. Just All a right. bunch of slurring. All righty. Thank you again, uh, Derek or Grinner. And uh, let's uh, continue on with uh, this feedback from Ernie. Uh, He said, I have some feedback on the article about the ballooning accident in episode 468. Was it really that long ago? Wow. 468. Um, I know one of Brian's ballooning friends. Okay. Brian was the uh, gentleman um, that was the uh, experimental balloonist or uh, balloonatic um, who ended up falling out or getting bounced out of the um, gondola or whatever you call the thing. And, uh, and it was hanging from it and then ended up falling to his death. Um, and, uh, so we were talking about it. I'd never heard of him or any of these, um, exploits, but I think one of the things that had us tripped up was the fact that, and the information that we were using to talk about this rather freakish accident was the fact that he didn't have any ballooning, um, certificates, and apparently that was just bad information, um, according to Brian. Uh, let's or see. Or that he didn't have like a commercial Ernie, certificate Ernie. or something. There was I'm something sorry. odd Ernie. about, yeah, I forget uh, exactly. But. I'm sorry, Brian is the uh, the balloonist. Uh, according to Ernie, uh, he did, in fact, uh, and I'm trying to find the place in his uh, email uh, that he talked about. 
the uh, well, down ratings. at the very bottom, just um, on okay. the FAA registry, it says he's got commercial pilot rating for lighter than air balloon, private privileges for airplane single engine land. There you go. So the because I think I even remarked, I'm thinking, well, if he's taking passengers up, I don't he's know if he's charging them or anything. Yeah. He'd have to have a commercial certificate, I would think. And he did. So or a commercial rating. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad that we were able to set that straight. He also sent us some um, a lot of things uh, regarding Brian and uh, his experience and uh, life. And uh, we'll, we're going to include uh, a link to this note with all these references in the show notes. So if you're interested in learning more about, um, about Brian, um, please do check it out. Um, in, he said, uh, Ernie, this is again, Ernie in looking for images uh, of his more unusual creations. I came across these videos. Apparently the VW van that they used as a gondola is still around. Um, anyway, I, apparently the VW van was also like a self-contained, um, a chase vehicle and they actually could <laughs> yes. use it to get back to, you know, from where a recovery they vehicle. Yeah. yeah, yeah a recovery a brilliant vehicle. idea. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I tried to play this video earlier in the show and, um, I got it all queued up. So, uh, let's take a look. This is from someone, I think from Vermont, uh, like a, a Vermont public television program. And, um, and he did a, a whole episode about Brian and I'll play just a little bit of it. Well, hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm Ryan Miller. Welcome Hi, Ryan. to episode number six of Making Friends with Ryan Miller. I'm in a balloon. That's Brian. We're gonna go in a balloon. We're gonna talk about balloons. We're gonna talk about life, Ryan. philosophy, egg sandwiches. Talk to you soon. Making friends. This guy has a Ryan television Miller. show. Yeah. That's so public. It's great. Making friends. Come on, stuff. It's great. We're making friends. Okay, now we're seeing some pictures of uh, Ryan and Brian, and they're filling the balloon we're envelope. And uh, Ryan is Ryan doing peekaboo or something. Uh, you'll have to watch the video. We'll have it in the show notes. Very entertaining. Anyway, so here's some some good footage of uh, Brian and Ryan in the balloon gondola as they're floating above the skies in Vermont. Okay, and it's getting noise. It looks like they're having, and it sounds like they're having fun. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and fade this out, and... A balloon. Holy crap! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's very entertaining, for sure. Uh, so you should t- check it out. I feel... I feel too sober to watch that right now. Yeah, I, sure. I think, and I think you should yeah. be smoking something. Yes, watch that yes. And enjoy it properly. So. I think he oh, man. partakes <laughs> during the filming, actually. Did, sure. No, did he say making friends or or, or something na- naked friends? Uh, yes. Na- yeah. Naked friends with Ryan Miller. Uh, check it out on your yeah. local Vermont uh, public radio. Worry. Or public uh, broadcasting television. Yeah. television yeah. Now, out of interest, uh, he's a Boland. Um, mm-hmm. That's not a frantically common name, and uh, there are lots of Bolands in my wife's uh, family mm-hmm. tree. So I'm wondering if there's some connection. Could be. Uh, yeah. It might account for her hair. strange mental state. But there you go. <laughs> so Who Liz knows? is saying, "Are you saying that Jilly is full of hot air?" amongst other things and uh but it would make sense if jilly was a little eh, you know kind of crazy to have married you yeah so no no i think you'll find it's her heritage ah okay 
Well, there you go. Uh, thank you, Ernie, for sending in and straightening us out as far as his uh, uh, ratings and sort of uh, certificates and, you know what? and such. Now we're at. Oh, are we at that magical uh, time? Wow. We, uh, wow. No, no, no. Oh no, 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 we're not. I'm sorry, I misunderstood uh, the direction the from the control room. Um, I thought it was time for uh, Plain Tales, but it's not. It's time now for some more audio feedback. And this no, I put the 50% guarantee. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't looking at the screen. He kept us at 50%. Oh, okay. Sorry, Liz. I let you down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernie was keeping us at 50%. That's what Liz was yes. trying to communicate with me. You have to assume I'm not looking at the, um, the window uh, with the uh, stream yard thing going on, Liz. I know now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's continue then with some more feedback. Sorry, I just have to put up iHall Boxes comment here. Okay. iHall Boxes says so. Nick's appreciation for balloons stems from a family feud. I think we could probably say my lack of appreciation. <laughs> I think that's more accurate. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's continue. Uh, we have some audio feedback. Uh, a lot of audio feedback from yeah, no from Ladon, or I like to call him Lydon. Uh, and uh, we're going to start off with um, number one. Hello, APG crew and community. It's Ladon here again. It has been a while since I've sent in a question or some feedback. So here I am, uh, mainly because I've been very busy and have not had the time to listen to your podcast, but I am catching up. What? Um, I mainly listen to now instead of my car on my walks, my long walks to the other side of campus. Uh, But my question for today is, um, are there any alarms for long haul flying uh, to keep the pilots awake um, on the Airbus? Because I've seen a video, I was watching a video of um, pilots crossing the Pacific Ocean and there's like a little snippet of them deactivating an alarm. Well, letting the alarm um, go off because they there was no um, interaction with any of the flight controls. So they let it go off to demonstrate what would happen if pilots fell asleep or nobody was in the cockpit for some period of time. And I think after 30 minutes, I'm not sure. But after a period of time, the alarm went off and I was just curious uh, to know more about that system and if it is in the Airbus because the plane that was in the video was a triple seven. So that's all my question for now. Thank you for the lovely podcast and giving me things to listen to on my long walks on the beach and campus and etc. Hope all is well. Thanks again, and uh, see you around. Hello, APG crew and community. It's Ladon. I forgot to bring up another question I had, and it was about instrument training, and was wondering if you guys had any advice, any tips to give to uh, me um, before going into my instrument training, and while I am in my instrument training, um, I'm all ears for any advice that you guys have. Um, I am starting my instrument ground school next week. So just wondering 
if you guys have any advice for that. Thanks. Yes, my advice, don't do it. No. Um, <laughs> the, um, the first question, uh, Nick, regarding the um, timer or warning, um, any, anything like that? I, I have no idea. No, not in the Airbus. Uh, we're way too disciplined to fall asleep and need a timer on the cockpit to wake us up again. For right, right. Sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, to tell the truth, uh, I have seen people pitch up with a cooking timer and uh, if we're doing, um, you know, crew uh, recovery, rest recovery, where one pilot sleeps on a night flight uh, to get, uh, you know, a few minutes shut-eye because he's having trouble uh, with low arousal, uh, mm. then uh, the other pilot will kind of wind one of these up, set it for 20 minutes, and uh, which I think is the Boeing timer. It's 20 minutes, I think. And you've just got to touch a switch uh, that's connected to the computer system to reset that. So you don't, if you just don't touch a switch for 20 minutes, it kind of bing-bongs at you. Um, and and they've, they've sort of set that so that if perchance they do fall asleep, then uh, it goes ding. And that's a lot cheaper than... <laughs> <laughs> fitting one into the aircraft, uh, I suspect. Um, but uh, no, uh, we, Airbus has not done that. I was expecting, like, you know, some of the cars, um, like the lane assist and that kind of thing, and then if you mm. keep your hands off the steering wheel, it says steering required. Just wondering if they have that kind <laughs> of assist. Interesting typo in iHaulBox's nah. comment here. Uh, iHaulBox's, the 777 will go. coma up <laughs> with a... <laughs> I'm not sure he meant it that way. Uh, with a warning <laughs> saying pilot response required after a while. I forget the exact yeah. time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably in yeah. a coma. And yeah, that's why yeah. they have that system. Okay. Exactly. Very good. And then, uh, oh, part three. Here we go. Yeah, no, oh, no, 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 no. Training? Advice, advice on instrument. I already training. gave my advice, Liz. Oh, okay. What? Oh, yeah. Don't okay. do it. No. Yeah. Uh, Steph, do you have some better <laughs> advice for uh, Ladon? I, so it's, been a while but i vaguely remember like because i was also in the process of moving and was going to have to start with a new flight school around the time when i was about to start my instrument training but kind of in that gap time in between um i don't know if they still have it or not but sporties had a like course and a series of videos that you could watch on ipad or your phone um and just explaining some of the the basics and reading through um charts and and things like that so that was actually pretty helpful and i don't recall that it was terribly expensive and it were they was rap a nice videos they're n- sadly they're not no, but okay. perhaps that guy has some videos about instrument training and procedures that would be more entertaining but no they were well done and um you know they were they were well each one was relatively short it was just you know a snippet of information at a time so it wasn't super overwhelming like mm-hmm. all right good advice much better than my advice I agree with your advice, though, too. (laughs) Just don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) All right. And uh, let's let's continue with his third uh, installment. Uh, Take it away, Ladon. Hello, APG crew and community. It is Ladon once again. Today, this is my third um, voice audio feedback uh, that I've sent in. Because I keep on forgetting to mention things. Uh, This is, I think... The final thing I have to mention is that I will be flying to South Carolina, Clemson, to go visit my girlfriend, and I will be transiting through Atlanta on October 6th at night. I don't think Jeff uh, will be in Atlanta at 9 p.m., but on my returning trip to Boston, 
I'm going to be connecting from Greenville, Spartanburg, to Atlanta. And I saw that it is a 717 on Acme Airlines. So, hint, hint. Hopefully, maybe you could pick that trip up and that would be a uh, great time to meet you, if that's possible. If not, it's fine. Um, but yeah, I should be in the Atlanta area and that should be exciting. Hopefully, I can meet you. Um, and I think that's really it. Uh, but yes, thanks again, and this should be my last audio feedback for a while, hopefully. <laughs> See you guys on. Okay, so, he lost uh, Nick. Ladon? Did he mention which date he was returning, no. though? No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> uh, I'm, like, writing down all the pertinent details. I, I, like, I, uh... want, I want whatever he's smoking. <laughs> <laughs> You know, people- Ladon, actually, I do have another recommendation for instrument training. <laughs> oh, okay. Caffeine. Caffeine, you, yeah. You might want to consider caffeine in your life. And people, <laughs> people complain <laughs> yeah. about the rate of speech coming from Nick and myself. Uh, yeah. But Ladon, I think you got us beat. Um, <laughs> Hands down. It, anyway, um, so yeah, obviously, I was not at the Atlanta airport last night, which was October 6th. Uh, and, um, I'm not scheduled to fly again until Monday, but I did check my schedule just for the heck of it. And, um, I'm not scheduled to fly any flights, uh, from Greenville Spartanburg to Atlanta, uh, anytime this month. So that pretty much covers it all. And, uh, by the way, the way, uh, bidding for schedules works is that, um, right now we're in the process of looking at November and, um, the bids are due, um, in a few days for, the November uh, period, and uh, I will know basically around the around the about midway through the month of the previous month. So yeah, my my October schedule was already set by the time you uh, sent the feedback into us. So I can couldn't do anything about that. But um, anyway, I hope you have a good flight. Anyway, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. nice time transiting the Atlanta airport. I just want to say, Jeff, your yes. neighbor's lawn must be pristine at this point. Well, Is he still yeah, can you still blowing? hear that? Yes. Okay, well, it looks like, shoot, I was looking down at the lights on my uh, noise gate, and I didn't think that was actually getting through, but uh, I can understand why it is, because it's not um, quiet. And I figured by coming up here into the mountains in a cabin that I would never have to worry about this. Escape for some peace and quiet. Yeah. I thought it was going (laughs) to be very, you know what, honestly, most of the time it is very peaceful up here. But uh, the one day that my neighbor, he must've known that I was, we were going to be recording this show today. So I'm going to drive on up there to the cabin and I'm going to make as much noise as possible. I'm going to bring a barking dog and get him going to get my leaf blower and lawnmower going so that uh, Jeff uh, He's there he's, he's like out. I came up here for peace and quiet but man it's just too quiet what can I do yeah, It's just it? too quiet. Too quiet. <laughs> Apparently. Break so, up the silence. I do apologize for all that noise in the background but it's not the first time uh, that you've heard that from uh, my microphone and it will not be the last I'm sure. Unfortunately. Anyway. Okay. Um I believe we can continue on. Yeah, and we can no- do this next one. Yeah. Before one more. Yeah. I think yeah. One more and then plane tail. Yeah. Um, now is this, uh, the same stand this that is, was going to, this is Stan, this is Stan that's going to possibly meet up with Pip in, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh. He, he sent this in to us, uh, a quick feedback about Cape air. They have a training contract and they don't seem to hire a lot of first officers. You don't need an ATP to be a part 135 pilot in command. 
It's the minimum Steph read, 1,200 total time, 500 cross-country, and 100 night. I went through all this recently when I was applying, but ended up getting offers from two different companies that do strictly on-demand flying. It's been a challenging and rewarding past couple of years since I first started training two summers ago towards my private at Sling Pilot Academy in Southern California. Oh, you just started a couple of summers ago. That's pretty pretty mm. good. Um, I've been listening to APG all along the way, and I'm still enjoying the show, especially the accents. Oh, I think maybe. he was enjoying your Southern accent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Again, apologies well, to anybody that may have been offended by my Southern accent. Um, since then, uh, we've moved to Fargo. Oh, I wonder if he's going to make it to the uh, meetup on Saturday. I don't oh, think so because he's, well, he's going to be in Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, that's weird. Um, anyway, after a busy summer of aerial survey, my wife and I are getting packed up to move to Nebraska next. Oh, there, there it is, right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved to Nebraska next week, uh, where I'll start training as a first officer in a Cessna Citation Excel. I'm really excited to fly the jet. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a good looking jet. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So anyway, thanks again, APG crew, Nebraska Stan, the pilot formerly known as Stanimal. All right. So. So he's not Stan the man. Okay. Not Stan the man. Not Stanimal. He's just Nebraska Stan. Although I like Stanimal better. I do like Stanimal. Yeah. Anyway. You've got six minutes. You might just uh, fit in number nine. Nebraska. Okay. Yeah, that's that's Nebraska. No, Nebraska. Nebraska. Stan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll work on it. Yeah. Uh, Maybe you and Pip can come uh, together and come up some kind of catchy name. What? Stanaska. Stanaska. (laughs) Did somebody in the chat room come up with that, or was that you? All right. Way to go, Steph. All right. Uh, Let's uh, quickly do this next one from uh, Tim Van Ram. Ever heard of mm-hmm. that guy? He's out there in the Bay Area of Northern California. Uh, Looks like ne- a nice day there today, anyway. Is it? Okay. Yes. He sent in a picture from. Oh, did he? Oh, I didn't see that. He sent in a picture. A um, so, do I need to share that, or it's probably going to be too much hassle to share that? Yeah. It's, it's just take our word for it. It looks like a lovely day. In a lovely day in San Francisco view. Bay Area. Okay, a beautiful view from his office. Okay. Well, anyway. Tim sent us this. Um, he says, sharing this story of this young woman's journey, I certainly hope it goes well for her. Smooth smooth skies and cheesecake. Okay. Uh, I like cheesecake. I, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and share a, a video that explains what the heck Tim is talking about here, this journey uh, by this young woman. And it's right here. Open. My name is Aradafet. I'm 19 years old in the summer I'm flying sailor around the world. And now she's going to use a different language. I hope to be the youngest woman. And inspire other girls to go into aviation and science. So... Fly Zola. And I think her name is. What's she saying? Zara? Zara. Zara? Okay, that's enough of that. Let's uh, stop the video and. Uh, t- oh, nope. Not started again, Jeff. Stop it. Okay. 
Um, flyzolo.com. Again, she's uh, Zara and she's 19 years old. On the 18th of August, she set off from Belgium heading west. Her route takes her through the UK, Iceland, Greenland, Canada, 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 USA, <laughs> Latin America to Colombia, then back north <laughs> via Alaska to Russia, China, Indonesia, India, Middle East, and then back to Belgium, where I plan to arrive in early November. Although I looked just yesterday and it looks like it's going to be more like early December now. Uh, she's flying a Shark, which is a high performance ultralight aircraft manufactured in Europe. It's incredibly fast with cruising speeds reaching 300 kilometers per hour, which I believe is around 140 knots. Uh, the aircraft has been specially prepared for such a long journey. It looks very impressive. Yeah, I'm going to share. Yeah, it looks, it looks look quick. Uh, let me yeah. see. I'm going to go ahead and share this with the uh, live audience. And then again, as always, it'll be something that you can look up in our show notes, folks. Mm, it's got one of those Rotex 100-star engines. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Share. All right. Um, that is the live tracking window on the, uh, fly Zolo website right now. She's in Alaska, um, 52 countries, five continents. And there is the, uh, kind of the track that she is plan has taken and is planning to continue. Um, and, uh, let's see, here's a picture of that shark. It's a very uh i can understand why they call it a shark it does kind of look like a shark tail in the back doesn't it oh it yeah like virgin very much is so. a sponsoring yeah virgin is a sponsor apparently mm -hmm. um and uh oh i was gonna show something else where is it okay so there's like a an arrivals board here that shows all the places that she has already been and where she is right now it looks like she arrived on september 30th in nome and then uh, October 1st through the 9th, she's doing Operation Miffy. And I looked everywhere on the site, and I cannot figure out what that means. I don't know what Operation Miffy is, but apparently she's doing something while they're in Alaska. And then she'll continue on to Russia. Maybe somebody can find that for Oh, me. it has to do with – I saw this actually on a, um, on a group page. It has to do with a – little stuffed animal and i'm not sure all the details oh um, but okay. i think i just quickly google it again she has a youtube or facebook post about it to, okay about operation miffy yeah. so miffy is a stuffed animal okay yeah it's like a stuffed bunny okay very cool i'm not sure what it has to do with anything but that's yeah okay well, i'm sure there's a story in the background to it too Looks like she's making good progress, and, um, and that's a bunch of countries and quite a journey uh, for such a young lady, but uh, it's very inspirational for sure, I'd say. Mm. So check it out by heading Perfect over to com And Control Room says, Perfect timing, Jeff. You're so good. No, she didn't say that part. I, I added that. that and it is now time for us to... Do the best part of the show, according to many of you. And that is something that we call the plain tale. And so without further ado, I'm going to try to find that. Here he is. All right. Take it away, old pilot. The old pilot's plain tales. The Mike Wildman story. When I first heard that Mike Wildman, a pilot colleague of mine, 
had been forced to suffer a leg amputation, I was devastated for him. As you will discover, though, when one door closes, another opens. This tale is just the start of his story, the story of a fascinating life in aviation. My dad was an electronics engineer, as my mum was initially, and that had a kind of uh, aviation vent, and I think that's where my interest initially came from, because my father was managing director of a company called Penny and Giles, and they made the first black boxes in the UK for Concorde and British Airways and all sorts of jets, and I think we might have even flown with them in, uh, in our Virgin Atlantic airplanes. I think at about 11 or 11 years old or something like that, um, Dad took me to Farnborough, and I've got a vivid, vivid memory of uh, Concorde getting airborne. Um, we were in the chalets, and so we were quite far back from the line, um, but I can remember the earth shaking with those four afterburners in as it got airborne and just being completely mesmerised and hooked by it. And that's kind of my earliest, God, I want to be a flight, my pilot memory. Initially, I was in the boys' brigade growing up, and I've always liked being in kind of organisations. The boys' brigade was a, an absolutely fantastic organisation. I was there from about eight years old. But then when the flying looked like it was going to uh, become an influence in my life, then I swapped across, as we do at 13, to uh, the Air Training Corps and joined the Air Training Corps at uh, 13 as well. I went to the RAF at 18 after my A-levels, went all the way through the aptitude uh, tests, etc., and the interviews at Biggin Hill, as it was in those days. Passed them all, but then was told that I didn't have the level of maturity required. So I went off to university. Hard to imagine, isn't it, Nick? Um, <laughs> so I went to university. Halfway through university, I applied for a bursary. Did the entire selection procedure again, passed it all. Was still told that um, they didn't think my level of maturity was high enough. So I did a four-year degree. It was a business studies degree, which I didn't particularly want to do, but I just had to go and get a degree because they hadn't taken me on. Um, at that stage, I was working behind the bar at Bournemouth Flying Club um, just because I wanted to be around aeroplanes. I went back to my boss at Bournemouth Flying Club and said, I need a job for the next nine months. It needs to look like it's something sensible. So we said that I was going to install a computer system, but in fact, I was cleaning and refueling the aeroplanes every day. <laughs> But what it meant is that um, I could work and get one hour's flying a week. So I did one hour's flying a week for nearly six months. And then I worked nights in a warehouse to get money to live. So I was working seven days a week, um, day and night. But it gave me a chance to get my PPL. I did that for six months. And then I was really lucky that a company at Bournemouth, which is now called Draken and was Cobham, but was then Flight Refueling Limited, paid for an Air League flying scholarship. Then I was suddenly able to finish the whole thing in about... You know, um, six weeks flat, flying every day, um, and that was marvellous. So in my year out in, in industry, I managed to go away and get a PPL. Um, so when I came back at the end of university, went back to the Air Force for the third time, either they were impressed with that or they were just tired of me keep coming back, but uh, eventually they offered me a job. And I did my uh, initial flying training and lead-in for fast jets on the Jet Provost 5. Uh, so I was lucky that I didn't have to fly the the JP3, which apparently was uh, a challenge. I, I found it interesting. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So I was lucky I went straight into that. So I did a year and a half at Cranwell, was streamed onto the Hawk, uh, went off to Valley um, and completed the Hawk course, got my wings at Valley, uh, went off to Chivna, which we called Heaven in Devon. Do you remember that? Mm, yeah, I went to Brody myself. Did you? Yeah, yeah. So I had two, two tactical weapons units. I went there, and that's where the wheels started to come off a bit. Um, um, I was working pretty hard, um, not enjoying it anymore, and 
basically we decided to call it quits then um, and I went off to fly multi-engine airplanes which probably wasn't a bad thing I ended up instead of being a below average uh, fast jet pilot I was above average uh, multi-engine pilot so probably not a bad thing then went off um, and was posted to Lynham to uh, C-130 Hercules the C-130 was just such a fabulous plane they were massively overpowered well, we had the stretch version because it had much more carrying capability than it had actual um, space to carry the freight so from, from a, a carrying point of view so it was overpowered uh, which meant it was great fun to fly I was on a tactical squadron which meant we did do the flying around the world at low speed uh, going to parties sort of thing the, 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 the grand green party machine I remember going to Hong Kong and it took us three days to get there and when you think that on the 340 it was 11 hours wasn't it <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah so lots of f- fun flying around the world but also the the main squadron's task there was uh, support of the um, parachute battalion and so the idea is that you'd get it up to 16 aircraft uh, flying in formation and then have a parallel drop zone where eight would be dropping 600 guys and on the other side of, of the uh, landing zone you'd be dropping small tanks vehicles uh, ammunition all the stuff that's required so you could effectively drop an entire battalion and its equipment in in something like a, a minute and a half over over an airfield and that was very exciting as well um, the guys we'd fly around at sub 250 feet then pop up to 500 feet and drop the guys out and when you think these guys were flying with no reserve uh, the parachutists were jumping out with no reserve from 500 feet wow um yeah, and, and they, they were expecting something like you know, 1% casualty rate. Well, when you're dropping 600 guys, that's five or six guys every time getting oh. injured or killed. So uh, it was very operational um, and very enjoyable. You were in the first Gulf War, yeah? Yeah, we, uh, we were, and that was, that was interesting. We shipped out to Riyadh initially, um, and uh, we were based out there for a, a number of months and a few other airfields as well. Um, and uh, again, flying various missions sometimes you know um behind enemy, enemy lines there was there was, there was some interesting stuff going. were you involved in dropping our special troops back there uh, a little bit of that yeah 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 so that was that was interesting um and i was explaining to somebody the other day it was in the embryonic stage of gps so we didn't really have gps we had we had an iron asset that didn't work very well gps was just about coming in and we were flying around you know, over the desert at low level using a map and a stopwatch and, and maps that had come from you know uh, from 30 or 40 years before and and you'd be flying along and suddenly there'd be a six-lane highway come below you there's nothing on the map so it was it was uh yeah very interesting time so you're also out in bosnia yeah a similar sort of work out there well that was interesting because by that stage i would been i'd come home and i'd um been lucky enough to get an exchange with the belgian air force and um they were inserting special forces. Uh, if you remember at the time in Sarajevo, mm. um, people were getting shot crossing the road by snipers. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. It was and, awful, and so our job was to sort of take some people in and, and try and resolve the situation. Uh, but that was quite, quite hairy. I remember one particular time when you know, we flew in and we landed these guys and they were walking mortars, crump, 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 across the airfield towards the aeroplane. And that was, that was quite something. I was down in um, Mombasa, flying in and out of Somalia and somehow well obviously I got I got um, uh, bitten by a, a, a female as you do because it's only the females <laughs> that carry malaria I don't know if you know that and I caught something called falciparin um, there's two lots of malaria one which keeps coming back which isn't so serious but uh, falciparin is you know three days coma four days death it's that quick 
I came back to Belgium. I um, was feeling, it's got about a two week incubation period. Came back, was feeling desperately, desperately sick. Went to see uh, the doctors at Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers Europe. Saw an American doctor who said that she thought there was nothing wrong with me. She sent me home. I came back the next day because I was so ill. Unfortunately, there was a British doctor there who'd been down in Belize and done the uh, um, tropical medicine course and said, I think it could be malaria. I was airlifted to Vegburg on day three where I did go into a coma and they, I survived, they saved me. So uh, one of my many near-death experiences, Nick. <laughs> the first few. of many. You've had a few, yes, absolutely. That, that, yeah. that is terrifying because it, it was only really uh, your story there that made me so aware of it. And I think, um, you know, our union did a great job getting us some decent protection from that when we Indeed. used to fly to these absolutely. places. Because yeah. I think Nigeria was second on the list of the worst areas in the world. For yeah, and that. a couple of our pilots did actually get falciparin, I know. Wow. Um, yeah. 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 So going back to... Your C-130 flying. Have, yeah. I, have I left anything out or is there more Oh Well, well Somalia was, was interesting because I've, I've read some books about the guys on, uh, in the Gulf War on Tornadoes and what a bizarre sort of lifestyle it was, where they were flying out of, I think, um, Muharraq um, and living this fantastic lifestyle in the, in, you know, in the evening and, and then going and flying off into war during the daytime. And we had a similar thing. We were based in the Serena Beach Hotel down in Mombasa, which was a kind of five-star plus hotel with two crews. And so... We had one day on, one day off, and on our day on, we'd be flying down into a war zone, into Kismayo and Somalia, um, in support of Belgian forces and the United Nations and all the stuff that was going on down there. And it was all pretty grim. And then we'd come home and then be sat by the pool and living this fabulous lifestyle. And it was it was quite surreal. Oh, yeah. But again, that was great fun, ultra-low flying, really because it was fun, because I don't think they had any sort of surface-to-air missile threat or anything like that. That was just because we could. And we were there for six weeks at a time, and it was, it was uh, yeah, a really, really enjoyable thing to do. So that was interesting. Also flying, doing airdropping into Sudan, uh, which was remarkable. We were doing something called Vlages, which is uh, very low-altitude gravity extraction. So effectively, you'd have the aircraft down at 50 feet with the gear down, with the ramp open, um, with a kind of a, a tie-down strop with all the, the food on pallets at the back, and then uh, red on, green on there'd be a guillotine would cut and the, the whole lot would go out of the back. And again, when you're flying this thing, it goes from uh, full back stick to full forward stick, back to the middle, um, and you're at 50 feet doing about 150 knots. So <laughs> that was... horrendous. Yeah, that was... Oh, it's great fun. It was great fun. Um, and we used to do um, practice a lot of formation then because we were down there, there was two and three or four ships, and uh, so we did a lot of close formation then. And again for no real tactical reason apart from that it was fun so I got a lot of cl- uh, close formation again in C-130 apart from um, air to air fuel so that was good I think the most remarkable thing I, I did when I was down there we were being tasked to fly out of uh, Rwanda before the, this is before the genocide happened and we had the United Nations were there and we had a, a three week detachment uh, in the Mil Kaline Hotel in, in Kigali uh, again, sat by the pool, but because the, the, the situation with AIDS was so bad down there, there's no way that anybody could get blood transfusions if they were injured, and we were supporting Belgian troops for the, the UN. And so our job was to be down there and medevac them out to somewhere safe if, if they needed to do that. And so we had a three-week detachment by the pool. It was our turn to go down there. And we were a bit late. We, we staged through Cairo. Uh, so it was two seven-hour flights, staged through Cairo, and we were delayed for whatever reason finally coming into Kigali just about in darkness 
and we were in trail at about seven to eight, seven or eight miles final with an HS 125 in front of us. Next thing we know, surface to air missile comes up, blows yeah. the aircraft out of the sky. Um, it had the uh, presence of both Rwanda and Burundi, the neighbouring country, aboard. And that was the start of the genocide. It was completely premeditated. And even now, there are conspiracy theories in Belgium. And people, I've had journalists get in touch with me saying, did I think the missile was supposed to be for us? And um, to try and bring Belgium more into the conflict than it was. So we'll never know. But uh, obviously there was certainly a threat there. So in that situation, we then, you could hear shooting machine gun fire on ATC, which is the first and last time I've ever heard that. Again, we had, we had chaff and flare, so we pooped all that off, climbed to 10,000 feet in the overhead while our navigator was trying to get hold of Belgian forces on the ground and, and trying to arrange some sort of response. The guy who was the captain of the uh, team that were already on the ground had been there for three weeks. Uh, the tradition was that he'd come and meet the aircraft with a slab of beer. He was on the ground, obviously waiting for us. The airfield was overrun by bad guys. And he went on the run for three days with just a slab of beer. Um, And when you think about the um, the training exercises we used to do, is that's not a scenario you'd ever really come across, is it? So so we we, we then, uh, up to 10,000 feet, we waited there till the fuel ran out and then um, went off to Nairobi. So I was the first aircraft kind of in when that all started. Then over the next three or four weeks, a bit like they've just done out in Afghanistan. We, we um, flew a evacuation mission to bring all the Belgian people, really, and uh, plus uh, friendly workers and everything else, in a very similar situation, to pull them all out. And obviously they had got surface-to-air missiles because they'd, they'd blown um, the aircraft out of the sky. So there was a threat there. And again, I was fortunate that I was the last aircraft there and we had headquarters flight. We were you know, the last people to get on board. And literally people were running for the aeroplanes with children it was it was a harrow experience and we had special forces guys on the ground shooting outwards with the bad guys coming over the fence with machetes and things it was it was just the most surreal surreal experience if we'd lost an engine you know taxiing or whatever yeah, i don't know what would have happened but we were able to button everybody up we left people behind as you do um taxied out and i was the last aeroplane out of there so that was quite an experience that's the sort of experience that might play on your mind for years after yes i mean i was lucky that i didn't see anything in that situation there in rwanda i didn't see anything terrible i saw in somalia i saw some pretty horrendous things that are happening on the ground so yeah yeah they will always be there absolutely yeah you did some more interesting flying can i ask you to tell us about the arms ratification flights you did yeah i was fortunate when I came back from Belgium, Belgium, the Belgian Air Force has retrofitted their C-130s with glass cockpit. And so I was the only person in the UK actually flying glass cockpit Hertz <laughs> from, from the RAF. The guy who was supposed to be doing acceptance testing for the RAF fell off his motorbike and banged his head. And under French law, because he was at the school in, in France, they grounded him for a year. <laughs> wow. So they had nobody to do C-130J acceptance, which was the new airplane coming in. And so instead of going back to Lionel, I was hoiked off to the side to... Uh, Boscombe down didn't have to do the test pilots course and and did acceptance testing but I was able to fly everything that was there apart from the fast jets so Tucanos and things like that but but they had about um, seven or eight different uh, heavy aircraft um, from just about everything one of them was uh, uh, an Andover or 748 I I think the Andover was a stretch version but it was full of infrared line scan and cameras and uh, the tasking this was just this was in 94 just after the wall had come down 
um, and everything had changed under the Warsaw Pact. And so our job was to be tasked by the Foreign Office, I guess, or I, I don't know who did the tasking, but was to fly at low level over pretty much all of the ex-Warsaw Pact countries, um, taking photographs and, and various bits and pieces. We had, we had specialists down the back. Um, so we'd be fly, flying around the Soviet Union um, at 250 feet in, in an Andover, taking photographs. And so, uh, you'd have the navigator would say, um, cresting over the next rise, you'll see, uh, you'll see an airfield ahead. And we'd, sure enough, there were sort of 30 or 40 blackjack bombers in a line. And it's like, I can't, you, know, you just can't believe what you're seeing, you know. Um, and then we'd come down, we'd land, and uh, then be entertained by the various um, squadrons and governments, and lots of vodka was drunk. And yeah, you know, so as we'd been you know, looking to go to war with these people for the last 20 or 30 years, to find that obviously they were just the same as us, and loved flying and loved you know, partying. And it was a great experience, and I was very, very fortunate. And I went all over Europe doing that, as well as flying um, lots of other things. One other interesting story I'll tell you. GPS was just coming in, and uh, they had the last flying comet, Mark 4C, called Canopus, had, uh, had a name, and they filled it full of GPSs of various types and inertial navigation systems. And we fueled it as much as we could, and we went up to Thule in Greenland. Refueled in Thule, which was uh, like a meteorological testing station full of just kind of containers and things, way, way up north of the, the Arctic Circle. And then the task was to fly this 1940s generation uh, airliner up to the North Pole, the magnetic North Pole, descend to 250 feet low level, fly round and round and round and round and round and round in circles to try and confuse all this kit, and then fly home. But of course, what heading did you fly home from the North Pole? Well, everywhere south. Everywhere south. So you just had to um, put the sun in kind of the right place and then wait for all this kit to sort itself out. But again, you know, what a remarkable opportunity to do something a bit wacky. <laughs> oh, so one thing I did miss, I flew the Belgians, I flew a Belgian C-130 back to Fairford for the international entity. And I was sat on top of it, on my C-130, with my first officer and his girlfriend, drinking a beer. And two MiG-29s uh, were displaying. Um, they crashed into each other, and one of them came down and took the back of my aircraft off. Good Lord. So it came at the top of me at about 15 feet. And I just had time to say that uh, uh, my buddy, we're dead. Because remember in flying training and the air, the combat training, if it doesn't move, it's going to hit you. Yeah. And it just went, got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I've got a fantastic photograph I'll show you in a minute. But the aircraft is burning wreckage, is about 20 foot over our aeroplane. And it, it took the tail off. We did a big wheelie because of the damage on the back. It fell off the side and held on to the uh, HF antenna. And I was able to jump back down through the escape hatch and catch her as she fell off. And that is a true story. The reason I wanted to talk to Mike wasn't just to hear his amazing war stories, but because he is an amputee pilot and leads the world's first and only fully aerobatic amputee formation team. More of that on the next tale, but if you were in a position to help fund him and his inspiring work, then... Mike, uh, if someone did want to get in touch with you, how would they go about that? best way would be through the website, and that's teamphoenixair.com, and that's phoenix, P-H-O-E-N-I-X, so teamphoenixair.com. My email address is there, but also you could call me on my telephone number. The UK cell number is plus four four. 
Wow. I don't think I'd want to hang around this guy. <laughs> you know what exactly I mean? How you do many get that feeling. Lives does he have? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, a cat that he nine. He's very cat-like, Mike. Yes, yes. Uh, actually, you know, he's he's a very inspiring person to talk to, to be around, to listen to his stories, because you know I flew with him for quite a few years before he got his command, and you know it took a lot to get him to tell any of these stories. These weren't things that he sort of came on the flight deck and just started spouting. You know, you had to dig around a bit to find out about Mike's background. Um, he was He's very humble and, you know, really one of the world's real gentlemen. So uh, when I heard about his amputation and then realised that he was doing this amazing work, uh, um, running this amputee formation team, uh, I, I just thought, what a fantastic bloke to talk to. And I'm so glad I did because I hadn't I hadn't got nearly as much idea of the stories he was going to tell me than actually had. I had no idea that he was nearly hit by that MiG-29 and that it was his hook that was taken out at that air show. And that, if we can put it back up again, uh, Liz, can you... Uh, yep. Can you do that? Because yep, um, if you if you look at the front of that fuselage, you can see three bodies lying down on the front of that fuse, fuselage, on the top of the fuselage, just behind the cockpit. And, is of course, one is Mike, yeah. one is his first officer, and one's uh, the, his girlfriend. And uh, it, it barely missed them. Absolutely, you know, the closest you'd ever want to come to a, an wow. event like that. Uh, so I, I go, wow. And, you know, that was just an afterthought. Oh, yeah, by the way, I ought to tell you about this. And, of course, <laughs> this is only the first part of three uh, amazing stories uh, of his life because we're moving on to the next chapter um, next week where, of course, we deal with the uh, awful incident that caused his his injury. Uh, but, uh, you know, what can I say? He's marvellous, Blake, with uh, great ideas, and he really wants to make uh, this disabled aerobatic team that he is the leader of uh, into something that will grow and uh, inspire. So, uh, fantastic. Wow. Cool. Very amazing. So, yes, uh, as Nick said, if you're in a position that you can contribute, um, that information was given in the plain tale and is on or in the show notes. So... Please be generous with that. Yes, it's our drone segment. And uh, we're looking at some video of, uh, of a drone. Wait, I hear some... What's this? There's a bird coming into view. Oh, no. The bird is attacking said drone. I like this bird. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> it's almost like the drone. Ah! <laughs> Got it. Well, this that uh, was on purpose, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's Google's drone delivering coffee to someone. <laughs> drone delivering coffee in not Canberra. Not a coffee drinker, that raven. Australian, yeah. Let's that, <laughs> that not a coffee drinker, that raven. No, he's he's out to <laughs> stop people from drinking their coffee in the morning. Yeah, um, or. Well, if it's not their ravens, drugs. it's their, their damn magpies. The magpies can get mm. very aggressive as well. So uh, we're thinking it must have been too close to the uh, the nest or nest. something there that uh, got that raven so upset. I guess so. Yeah. 
You know what? I'm, when I was watching this, I'm thinking, are we going to have all these stupid drones everywhere making all that racket all the time? How long is it going to take before we all go, okay, that's enough. Forget I mean, this. aren't the leaf blowers bad enough? I know the enough? leaf blower is bad enough. I'm still having that ringing in my ear. But I think I looked out the window during the plane tail, and uh, he has packed up and left. Um, perfect timing on his part. Not. But uh, anyway, quote the raven, never more. Never more. <laughs> Good one, Micah. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, so that's not the only drone, uh, video that we have to, uh, to share with you today. We're, we have another one actually. And, uh, let me, uh, pull this one up, so to speak. And here we go. This was in China for the, uh, grand opening of a, of a mall or something like that. So let's take this okay. Beautiful bunch of drones up in the air with lights and uh oh, wait a minute. Several of these drones are kind of falling, albeit in a controlled manner, from this formation of over 200 drones above. Oh, that one hit the car. Yeah. Uh, people are not very happy about this. From what I can tell, I don't know. I, I don't understand their language. Um, yeah, so anyway. We have that uh, video of this event, and um, apparently, uh, from what I was reading uh, somewhere in the article, uh, they think that the reason why these drones kind of started dropping from the sky was because, um, I guess there must have been a bid for doing this uh, performance, and apparently the uh, company that lost the bid to the one that was actually doing this drone performance, uh, they think that maybe they purposely, um, what's the word, uh, sabotaged. sabotaged the, uh, the event. No injuries were reported, but there are claims that foul play may be to blame. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, do you remember when Gatwick airport was closed? Cause there was a drone buzzing around for mm -hmm. a day. Uh, all they needed to do was get these, uh, blokes from China to come and chant the damn thing. <laughs> I'll take care of that right away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no problem. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm, Drunk on. Yep. Yeah, somehow. Carry on with your normal flying activities. Somehow, I guess they have wild. something that uh, interferes with the uh, the navigational systems on these little things. Or I'm not sure how that all works. But anyway, it was impressive in a negative way. All right. <laughs> um, anything else to add to our drone segment? Okay. No. no. Let's let's don't not drone, drone on, on anymore. No. Okay. Don't drone on and on and on. Okay. Yeah, I get <laughs> it. Very funny. Rim shot, right? Uh, let's see if I can hit that and boom, nailed it. All right. This is uh, some feedback from Rob, and this is uh, Rob from Down Under. Hello again, Captains Jeff, the wonderful APG crew and community, and especially the lovely Liz. Oh yeah. Kiwi Rob here again from even further down under in New Zealand. Just been listening to the latest APG syndrome fix and Rick's words struck a chord. I'm sure that many of us dream of living your life in the sky and these wonderful podcasts and Rick's amazing photos take us there. For me, I've always wanted to fly as long as I can remember from an early age. I'd bike to the, uh, I'm sorry, I, had, I was moving my window while I was reading this and I just messed myself up so to speak uh let's see 
at an early here, let me start over for me. I've always wanted to fly from as long as I can remember from an early age. I biked to the airport most weekends just to watch the arrivals and departures in my late teens. I took flying lessons and with all the exams passed and just the cross countries to go, the oil crisis of the late seventies doubled the cost of flying love and life took over and the rest is history. Fast forward another 30 years and I finally achieved my private certificate, but always with some what ifs. I love seeing Rick's amazing photos and hearing the great stories you all share. It's the closest thing to being there. Thanks for scratching the constant itch. I attached a few words written by an eight-year-old boy. How could you not want to be a pilot? Thanks again to you all, Rob. And, uh, this goes, oh, yeah, we'll go ahead and read this because uh, we, we've done this on a few occasions over the years, but uh, it's always it's always fun to read it again. Uh, again, as uh, Rob mentioned, this is from an anonymous eight-year-old. I want to be a pilot when I grow up because it's fun. It's a fun job and easy to do. That's why there are so many pilots flying today. Pilots don't need much school. They True. must learn numbers so they can read instruments. Yeah. Pilots should be brave so that they won't be scared if it's foggy and they can't see. Or if a wing or motor falls off, they should stay calm so they'll know what to do. That's actually true. Sensible. Pilots have, I'm sorry? Sensible, yeah. Yeah. Pilots have to have good eyes to see through clouds and they can't be afraid of lightning or thunder because they're closer to them than we are. Again, true point. The salary pilots make is another yeah, I thing I like. I can see through clouds, no problem. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that x-ray vision that we have. Um the salary pilots make is another thing I like. They make more money than they can spend. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no. uh, that's if not really true. <laughs> this is because most people think plane flying is dangerous, except pilots don't, because they know how easy it, easy it is. Uh, there isn't much I don't like, except girls like pilots and all the stewardesses want to marry pilots, so they always have to chase them away so they don't bother them. Hmm. Not true. <laughs> I hope I don't get airsick because I get car sick. And if I get airsick, I couldn't be a pilot and then I'd have to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best sentence. Yeah, very funny. And then I'd have to go to work. And then I'd have to go to work. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. Yes. It is. Not much school, lots of money. Mo most of and it's super annoying because you have to chase away all your admirers I all know. the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, most of that was true, except for that part. <laughs> Um, at least it's not that way anymore. Um, yeah. Thanks again, um, Rob. And I'm glad that, uh, we can, uh, do this and allow everybody listening or many of you listening to kind of live vicariously through us. I mean, I'm a marathon runner cause I'm living vicariously through Steph. Yes. Let me take you on Absolutely. that. Absolutely. All right. I'll run the miles for you. Thank you. Because mm -hmm. they'll, they'll they'll not get done if I have to do it. <laughs> All right, um, seven three Matt. I guess he was at the meetup, uh, Nick uh, at at Fair Oaks. Uh, he says a really good day, interesting, and putting faces to others of like mind. Thanks for the podcast. Always interesting and fun. Keep up the good work. Uh, and the title of his feedback was Fair Oaks Meetup, so I'm assuming he was there. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yes, I, I know, Matt. And the 73s is a greeting uh, on oh, uh, radio. radio. Okay. So uh, ham radio, yeah. So, and he is, he's the guy that, that taught me uh, and got, you know, he was my instructor when I got my radio license. So, ah. uh, and I know Matt well. 
I automatically thought of the 737 when I see 7.3. And ah, right. I didn't That's even funny. think yeah. of yeah. Uh, ham radio. Uh, 88s is uh, hugs, normally uh, proffered to ladies. And oh. 73s is just I wish I'd known that. Oh, goodbye. When I was flying the 88. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Huh. Well, hugs Damn. to all of you. <laughs> all right. Especially the ladies. Um, Captain Nigel uh, sent this in. You know, good old Nigel Demery. He was at the meetup, too. Oh, excellent. It's all coming together. All, it's a big Absolutely. circle, isn't it? Uh, hi, crew. Another interesting article link below. Personally, I think you've covered Hong Kong pretty well, so it might be overdoing it if you include this. Nah. We always like to hear from you, Nigel. As an aside, I agree with the fired guys who are unemployed in Hong Kong already. A further Philip is that the Canadian guys who volunteer to return to Hong Kong but are denied visas will get a Canadian arbitration payout from uh, CX, I guess, um, Cathay, in excess of what Cathay was offering. So they're probably happy. (laughs) Well done, the Canadian arbitrator, Liz. Best wishes. Yeah. So I guess the Canadian guys are doing all right. Getting more than they would have if they relocated. Get that guy on my salary. Yeah. Mm. Liz is uh, looking for that guy to work on her uh, salary negotiations with the uh, APG union. Well, my brother was uh, a very impressive uh, union negotiator for the biggest uh, union in BC. So uh, uh, that's what he did for a living was fight for the unions. Well, Liz, I recommend that you not get in touch with him. <laughs> um, so the article. Uh, could I tell you a little story? Yes. He always used to have two cars. He had a really nice car because he loves cars. Uh, you know, at times he had a Rolls Royce and beautiful, wow. you know, uh, Mercs and things. But he always kept a really ratty old car. So if he had to go on uh, picket duty, he used to drive <laughs> the old car. Ah, gotcha. very clever. If he went to union meetings, he always drove his old car. It's always <laughs> optics, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, what's not much difference between a, a union um, leader and and a politician, right? I, uh, yeah, they've, they've got to be able to communicate. Yeah, That's absolutely. Really the number and, I mean one. That, Con- and connect with the, uh, you yeah, know, the people they're trying to. Yes, the group of people that they're representing. Appease, yeah. Yeah, and, and I meant that, of course, in the most positive way possible. Oh, yes, we I mean, love politicians. Nobody so. who is a union He's uh, well retired or worker, you know, takes offense to that. I'm sorry. I think I was talking over you. You can just you can just write into I'm offended at airline. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. My, everybody else does. You might as well too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, from the uh, BangkokPost.com, uh, Hong Kong denies work visas to dozens of Cathay Pacific pilots seeking to reloc- relocate to the city. So they, you'll remember that um, Nigel is uh, telling us about the fact that. Uh, Cathay has been closing down all these bases. I think almost every base, except for the for the Hong Kong base, right? Yeah, um, very very few still going overseas. And so these people go, okay, well, we'll move to Hong Kong and uh, get a work visa, and then we'll fly for uh, Cathay there. Uh, only its problem is that uh, they've been denied work visas because of all the uh, out of work pilots already in Hong Kong, <clears throat> many of whom were. Uh, Working for, um, let's see, the uh, the low cost carrier associated with uh, Cathay Cathay Dragon. Dragon. Yeah, Cathay Dragon Air used to be a, a kind of a local um, short haul uh, airline, and mm-hmm. Cathay bought them out, turned them into Cathay Dragon, so they had both short and long haul. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, Dragon Air 
pilots uh, or Cathay Dragon were in a different uh, sort of airline to mm-hmm. Cathay Pacific. So apparently, because they are all unemployed, um, Hong Kong saying, I- I'm sorry, but we really can't give any of you wanting to move here and work for Cathay these work visas because we already have too many out-of-work pilots to deal with that are already here. Apparently, that's what I gathered from this whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. In a nutshell, yes. Yeah. I mean, that all goes back to just how strict the rules and everything else are in Hong Kong still regarding COVID. Yep. So, uh, all right. Well, thank yeah. you, Nigel, for sending that in. Keep us uh, up uh, up to speed with that, if you don't mind. And uh, let's see. Somebody named Liz sent us this feedback. Uh, how Delta people are awakening over 550 hibernating planes. And this is from the Delta News Hub. In 2020, the pandemic impacted air travel across the world. Don't we all know that? Take a look into the work behind parking uh storing and reactivating a fleet during a global crisis. When supplier ops program manager Rusty Foster reflects on the massive cross-functional undertaking to store over 550 Delta planes grounded because of the COVID-19 pandemic, he thinks of the motto his Navy Reserve construction team lived by. And here it is. The difficult, we do right away. The impossible takes a little longer. (laughs) That's a great phrase. Yep. When Rusty was first called to action, it was March 2020, and the pandemic was in full force. Customer de- demand was dropping, and there was an uneasiness settling in as flights took off with fewer and fewer passengers. Rusty had the day off and was getting ready to head back to Jacksonville, Florida, where he was performing heavy maintenance checks on aircraft. One of his leaders gave him a call and asked if he could go to Blytheville, Arkansas, to start parking part of Delta's fleet. The pandemic was already rearing its head. A long drive to Memphis International Airport, a canceled flight, and another eight-hour car trip later, Rusty was finally in Blytheville. That day, they started flying in MD-88s. It was like watching the skyline in Atlanta in the evening when you can see the pattern planes are flying in, just one after another after another. And the first day, they parked 14 88s. The next day, another 14. Anyway, so the article goes on, a very interesting article about uh, all uh, some of the obstacles that they faced, uh, including running out of uh, chocks to uh, chalk these aircraft. And so they had to go to the local uh, lumber store or Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that to go and buy these six by six skids of wood to hand make replacement chocks, et cetera. And then it talks about also how they were able to get everything out of storage and returned to uh, active flying. And in fact, I think Chet Casper sent in uh, some video that shows some of or one of the uh, airplanes being brought into service. So let me just click a few things here and I'll show that. Okay, this one apparently (laughs) didn't make it through the... Checklist. Operational checks. Operational Rusty checks. Really good job. <laughs> yeah, Rusty, Rusty, I'm sorry, but you failed on that one. He was yeah, a little rusty. Not great. <laughs> he was a little rusty. <laughs> wow. And that's they, probably they, not the first time he's heard that one. Yeah. They're bound to be a bit frisky when they've been on the ground for so long. <laughs> Do we need to see that again? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. It wasn't very long. First flight so, after lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. If you're what just listening, um, this aircraft seems to be a little bit. Um, wobbly, unsteady, flapping wings. Oh, it's, flapping it's a wings. three forty. It's uh, what do they call it? Uh, the quasi. Uh, the structure was quasi something or other. I mean, it's flapping Brandable. its tail like or 
Is it bending in half almost, and the tail going up and down yeah. reminds me of like a dolphin or a whale almost. Absolutely, yeah. You got to watch yeah. the video. To yeah, see what we're talking about it's, it's quasi really rigid. That's what the fuselage was described at, uh, and the Airbus A three forty, because it used to bend and twist so much. On uh, that know. sounds a lot like the under arousal problem that uh, Adam has. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. It's all related. Yeah, I think so. Poor Adam. I know. And we love poor, you, Adam. We really do. Yeah. Or poor Mrs. Adam. Yeah, well, mm. even more so, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, we had some fun with the airplane storage and bringing them back and having a funny video. Ha, ha, ha. That's what we do here. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> very good. Okay, moving on. Speaking of which. Speaking of which, after years of cloak and dagger mystery, I find this an obscure airline supplier site or Facebook. Are these only on military planes or do you also use them commercially? Uh, and why? And this is from Henry. And did I do a uh, overlay with that, Liz? Mm, one moment, please. I don't think I did, no, I actually. Okay. Well, then that means I'm just going to have to do this. Uh, I'm going to have to share this with everybody so you can see what we're talking about. I failed again. I thought I'd but done an overlay. I missed for fly Zolo. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. It was kind of a, that was an extra one, Liz. You didn't need to worry about that one. Um, okay, here we go. Um, well, I didn't mean to share the entire Evernote, but there you go there. You can see the, uh, uh, image that, um, Henry was referring to, and of course, it is a chemtrails on and off switch. Looks pretty official to me. Yeah, I like the look of that. That's a nice looking switch. And we all you know, appreciate a good switch. We do. So these get used commercially as well? Can we comment on... I'm I think so. Yeah. Military I, I, only. I th well, you know, I really can't say. I, I think I've already said too I much. I think we're not not allowed to talk about anyway, this actually. So now I've never seen one of these switches ever. Well, I'm retired, so I can say that Airbus have their own version thereof. Okay. It's in French. It's in French, though, right? It doesn't say um, on and off. It says. Oui. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. How French. do you spell that? <laughs> I can't. Oh. <laughs> so what? What would you say, uh, Steph? I just said yes and no. We no. Okay. Yeah, but what's on and off? Do you know what on is? No. Oh, come on, Steph. You Sorry. disappoint. I know. Off is a rat. Uh, anyway. If I read it, I would probably know it, but I can't think of yeah. what it is off the top of my head. Sorry. Well, we, we do have an overlay for this next one, Liz, uh, and it's also related to uh, chemtrails. Oh, chemtrails, yeah. Um, it's been well over, this is from Tom Harris. It's been well over a year since I left any feedback, but I'm still listening and appreciating your efforts quietly in the background. I think that's best for everyone. <laughs> he says a little self-deprecation. Uh, anyway, a friend sent me the attached picture with the caption. Is it normal for planes? His word, not mine to cut clouds in half. I put him off for now with some tosh about the conditions being just right for the engine and friction to melt the ice in the cloud without forming a trail. But I think they're on to you, and I'm going to need a better ex explanation. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what do you think? We're looking at this overlay. And uh, again, show notes, people, if you want to see this, or maybe even the chapter image that you're looking at. Um, and and so we're seeing something that appears like a, contra like a contrail in reverse, or an inverse contrail, where mm. instead of the white... Uh, ice trail left or chem trail left. We're we're looking at 
the absence of said trail uh, through this cloud. Now, I don't know if, is this just an optical illusion where we're just seeing like a shadow maybe? No, I don't don't think so. It was probably conditions um, that were favorable for this to occur as the aircraft flew through the cloud. I was going to say something snarky about like, well, it's, you know, because the aircraft uh, winglet, um, they're so sharp, they can just cut a slice right out of the cloud and, and just place it. That would have been no, funny if that's, they'd done that. I know, I know. Sorry, I started off too serious. <laughs> um, but what is it? So uh, Neil is saying that's a distrail? Distrail, yeah. Is that that's really a word? word? I mean, is that that's something? a word I've seen for it. I don't know how oh. scientific or accurate that actually is. Oh, um, Hmm. But uh, who wrote this to us originally? It was Tom. Uh, Tom Harris. Tom was talking about melting the ice in the cloud. Well, clouds aren't necessarily ice. Uh, they're just visible water. Um, they can be ice. Vapor. They can be ice, but not necessarily. Yeah. Um, and so basically, it's, if the cloud is not so thick, you know, if the, the aircraft is flying through the cloud, but it's it's a really thin layer of visible um, water, vapor, moisture, um, it'll displace all of that and you'll get this path cut through it. Yes, that sounds very good, Stefan. In fact, Skybury, which is a great uh, reference library of uh, aviation Uh terms and effects, uh, agree with you. It's uh, (laughs) a clear path through high-level cloud in the wake of an aircraft, uh, a visual reverse of a contrail. Uh, There is still some debate regarding the mechanism behind the formation of a distrail. Uh, One possible explanation is the engine exhaust gases emitted by the aircraft flying through a thin veil of high-level cloud warm the air, causing the ice crystals in the cloud to turn to vapor and disappear, creating a clear passage behind the aircraft. An alternative explanation is that when an aircraft flies through a supercooled cloud, this cloud freezes due to the disturbing airflow created by the aircraft, as well as by the addition of plenty of freezing nuclei due to the aircraft's exhaust gases. Some of the particles act as the nuclei onto which the droplets can start freezing. As the ice crystals form, they grow in size and fall. And this sometimes is observed as a full streak below the clouds, below the actual distrail, or they just evaporate instantaneous when entering the lower levels. Yeah, all that. Um, <laughs> Neil in the uh, chat room um, makes reference to something that I was thinking of, and I could not find a picture of it fast enough. But um, yes, the the documentary movie Airplane <laughs> documentary. has yeah. a very good example of a distrail. <laughs> The beginning, and I believe it's set to the theme music from Jaws. Ah, uh, yeah, right. Yes. Mm. So, wow, I really did learn something. I mean, I usually just say that, but I really did learn something on the. I did. I've never heard of a dist trail before. Mm-hmm. Wow. Education, it's a thing, and entertainment, just like Enter- chemtrails. Yes. So now, Tom, you'll have something. Uh, we'll have the link to that uh, sky. What was it? You, Skybury. What? Skybury. Skybury um, article regarding distrails, and now you won't have to tell them the truth that it was a chemtrail. But right. <laughs> it's probably a chemtrail. Yeah. All right. You know what? I forgot to do uh, during the getting to know us segment. We have a little bit of time left over, um, and so we'll just talk about this uh, rather quickly. I didn't have a picture of our um cover art for the uh, last show and mm. i'm gonna see if i can find it uh now 
Why have you put a picture of me out there? Well, that's because that was a cover art for episode 491, Whirling Disc of Death, that you uh, did. And uh, it was brilliant artwork, as usual. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Nick. Uh, and of course, that's Nick about to get sliced into little tiny pieces by the whirling <laughs> propeller or whirling disc of death. Yeah, that's all right. They, they, they fixed me up quite nicely. There was yeah, only did. one bit that was missing. They couldn't find that. <laughs> There's always missing bits, isn't there? Yeah. So there you go. That uh, I'm sorry we missed uh, covering that uh, during the getting to know us segment, but um, I'm glad that Liz reminded me of it. And uh, that was, I think that was some of the best work I've seen from you, Nick. Oh, well, actually that one was quite simple, but yeah? thank you. No, I, I love it because it almost looks like you're animated uh, right there, <laughs> like a cartoon, <laughs> you know? Yes. It does look like you're about to break into a rap. Good point, Liz. <laughs> He was about to and, uh, do some recordings uh, for Airbus. Does it look like I'm uh, sort of 20 years old? Um, no. 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 <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that, that didn't work then. No. You need to take uh, take some more of those wrinkles out and uh, I don't know. <laughs> Not so much the gray beard. Thin out the yeah. beard. Yeah, yeah. Make it a darker okay. beard. Yeah. Well, I've got my hat on backwards. You that do helps, have your yeah? hat on backwards and that's such a good look for you. It is yeah, I thought so. <laughs> As we've already established on the show. Wrap it up and get Steffi on the road. Okay, we're going to wrap it up so we can get Steffi on the road. So here we go. Uh, we're going to talk about the website we have. It's called AirlinePilotGuy.com. And there you'll find information about the crew and the community and the, the library, library calendar, calendar merchandise. merchandise. Thank you, Liz. She's YouTube. saying Coffee all these fun. things in my in my ear. Uh, YouTube links, plane tales, um, more information about each individual plane tale and coffee photos fun. and coffee fund information. Can't forget about that. You should definitely look that up. And so there you go. Airlinepilotguy.com, all that stuff and more. And we're also on social media, what I like to call the social media because I'm hip with wearing my hat backwards. Where's your, I was going to say, your, where's your I hat? I, I, I need to, was confused about yeah. your hipness and age due to lack of hats. But if you are young hip and on the social meds you can find us on twitter twitter.com we are at apg crew you can find our individual twitter handles pinned to the top of that page you can also find us on facebook facebook.com slash airline pilot guy um that's feedback at airline pilot guy.com if you want to send us some feedback also if you're looking at the screen um oh my gosh uh, speaking of being distracted the whistling was not distracting but both oh, of these yes, guys wearing their hats backwards <laughs> is quite distracting <laughs> Um, so yes, facebook.com uh, slash airline pilot guy. And you can also check out some of Nick's artwork on Instagram, uh, APG crew there as well for a deeper dive. And to get away from these young hip <laughs> folks, you can head over to Slack for some mature, um, aviation, uh, content. <laughs> I don't know about that, <laughs> uh, but I can tell you something. I wish that Nick had a hat on, uh, that guy that's over Mike his Wildman. left shoulder, Mike Wildman. Mike Wildman. Yeah, too bad he's not wearing a hat backwards like us hip dudes. A helmet backwards. There you go. That's even better. Okay, let me see if I can find um, what I'm supposed to play next. Is Hillel there? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if Hillel... Oh, it's starting to rain again outside, I guess. No, that's not a euphemism for what Hillel is doing in the bathroom, Liz. All right, here we go. Here we go. Oh yeah, look. Oh, I hear I hear the shower water. Hey, hello. 
Hillel, can you do Slack? No problem. Just come over here and get this out of the way. And does he have his hat on backwards? APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K. Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1 and see you in Slack. All right. Thank you, Hillel, for uh, always being there. Uh, that's kind of kind of scary, actually. But, uh, and, uh, Yo, Jeff, you said you didn't use the washcloths. That, that's not mine. Anyway, uh, we do appreciate all the hard work that you do for us, Hillel, and uh, managing Slack and all that jazz. And also, we need to say a big thank you to our producer-director, Liz Piper, in Toronto. Thank you, Liz, for all the work you do. It doesn't go unnoticed, for sure, especially for me. Yeah, well done, Liz. Great job. And I finally fixed the fade. Yay, look at that. It's not an abrupt cutoff anymore. All right, and with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off and wish you all clear skies and limited visibility and tailwinds. Take care. God bless. Cheers, y'all. Bye, everybody. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Meep, meep. Good day. a good, good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline pilot guy I fly America oh, Airline pilot guy He can't land in heavy fall oh, I got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline pilot guy I fly America oh, Airline pilot guy He can land in heavy Yeah.